Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What's up? Jason Tatum here. Ball up wherever you are with NBA 2K Mobile. Playing game events to collect NBA legends and rising stars to assemble your dream team and settle things on the court. Download NBA 2K Mobile now on the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Pick Aside podcast. Today we are virtual, so no intro music. And so I didn't want to like do the intro how we normally do it because it just sounds weird without the music. But today we have a special guest, Jack Cornick, Jokic Joe Star. Virtual claps for him. How you doing, man? Glad to have you on the show. I'm good. I'm glad to be here. It's super cool to meet everybody. I'm very excited to cook up some hot takes with you folks. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've been following you on TikTok for a while, bro. And what drew me to your account the most is the the dry humor, sarcasm in your videos, and just your ability to relate, like, just random things to basketball. Like, <laughs> I remember the, the one TikTok that had me dying that me and my friend were talking about. And I sent it to him because we were literally – it was crazy because we were literally talking about it, and then you made a video on it. And – I forgot how you transitioned into it, but you were like, you know what's fucking crazy? How, like, Josh Hart is just averaging eight rebounds. <laughs> and then I was like, bro, like, we were just talking about this the other day. Like, isn't that crazy as fuck for a guard? So, yeah, you you definitely make a lot of great content on TikTok, and I'm glad that you're on the show. Yeah, thank you. That that means a lot. I remember I saw you following me. I was like, yo, the pick a side guy? Is <laughs> wow. So, yeah, it's cool. It's good to be here. So before we get started, just give a little quick intro about yourself, like your favorite teams, uh, agendas you're you're looking to push on today's show, because uh, on this show, a lot of our audience knows this is very agenda based. We have our own teams and stuff. So just Us? Uh, agendas. Yes. You know, you got a Lakers right. agenda. It's very evident, Drew. Lakers I mean, agenda. Are, are they just good? <laughs> lately, lately. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm a Nuggets fan. I'm a Jokic fan, first and foremost. But, like, I, I see the flaws. It's not – I'm not going to, like, cover up everything that's wrong with them. I'm a Nuggets fan. I love them. I will be pushing that agenda. Um, I don't know. Like, a lot of my agendas aren't really, like, present in my mind. But when we start talking about teams, like, I'm going to say these guys are not good. These guys are good. It'll, it'll come out, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. So how are you all, all you guys doing today, Drew? I know you're in a hotel room in Disney. I'm doing excellent, as you can see behind me. I'm posted up in the in the corner of my hotel room. Um, but I'm in Disney. Uh, I'm excited for that. Going to the parks Monday through Thursday. I just had to kick my girl out of the room, unfortunately. The, the guys are giving me shit for it because I sound a little bit rude. But regardless of that fact, I had to, had to uh, handle business. Make sure that I put the, some time away so we could bang out this podcast. And you, Riv? Feel good. Ready to start. Riv, is that a new, micro- Riff, is that a new microphone? No, it's not a new micro- microphone. You sound as clear as you've ever sounded before. This is different, too, for you. My yeah, camera good. is real clear. I got a, this Mexico camera. 
Like, the lighting you know is killing crisp me, Riv? Day. Yeah, the lighting is crisp, but you know what's killing me? How you're just utilizing only like maybe a third of your box as opposed <laughs> to like the other two thirds of your box too. I appreciate well, that. I am indeed laying back. Oh yeah, no, you look comfy. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're you're breaking like all the film the rules. rules and how no to doubt. how to actually like be present within a camera. There's this rule called the rule of thirds, and it means that if you're a subject within a frame, the best way is to be on the right side of your frame. And right now you're on the left side. So. Yeah, well, rules don't apply to me. They never have. Probably never Riv will. is spitting. I, I agree with that. Yo, how can we mention Riv without mentioning the fact that Joel said it best? Welcome back, bro. Oh, First yeah, time yeah, back yeah. In, in three shows. Three yeah. absences. Not one, not two, not, but three absences. Yeah, man. It's great to have you back, bro. I had COVID. I was dying. Allegedly, Coco got him. Yeah. Allegedly, facts. Allegedly. No, it was beating the shit out of me. Damn. I was not going to have <laughs> Joel, how are you, bro? You're in Arizona? How's yeah, I'm you? doing I'm doing good. You know, you know, you guys know I'm gonna be out here for a while, like you know, like three bro said weeks, two probably. bro said two, three weeks, my jaw hit the floor. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> nah, I, I thought you know, we got the luxury of of doing what we do from anywhere in the world, as long as we have a stable internet connection, which she, she my girlfriend does have Horizon, you know, gigabit internet, so it's very good. That's that so, real route. Yeah, so I I was just like, you know, I'm just going to be over here and I'm going to help because she's moving in with me. So I'm helping move in in, in that process, in that time frame. And yeah, nice. just like do all that stuff. So I'm out here uh, and Arizona's pretty cool. I really do like this state. It, it is fun. There's a lot of bro, shit to do out here. I, I saw you were posted up at a soccer game yesterday. Yeah, I was at a soccer game. Yeah, what was that? Like, well, Was that MLS? No, it wasn't. It was, It's a step below that. It's semi-pro. It's mm. called their, their team is the Phoenix Rising. How was it? It was fucking packed. Like it was there yeah. was an empty seat in the goddamn stadium. How hot is it? It's not even hot. Like literally when I like I was wearing a sweater and I was chilling. Like it the weather in Arizona, you get the best of like every single world. Sometimes it's fucking hot as hell. I haven't experienced that personally yet. It's like chill as fuck. And then there are places in Arizona where it snows as well. So you get like there's like everything in Arizona. It snows in Arizona? Yeah, in certain places it does. Yeah, and then I haven't seen a senior yet, so I'm looking forward to that. Wouldn't that be some shit? You move to some place where it's allegedly hot all the time. The first day you're out there, it snows. I'd be fucking fuming. So imagine, Chino just said it's USL. Imagine if we was in uh, New York and it just had a tornado one day. <laughs> That's the one perk of being in New York and New Jersey that it does not do that. So yeah, just yeah. randomly. Just... I think the best places to live is like places where you don't have to worry about nat- natural disasters happening. That's why New York and New Jersey is pretty lit. I mean, we get pretty bad snow. We get pretty bad rain, but we never really get hit with hurricanes. I think one time, really. Andy. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> Andy beat the shit out of us. No, I was going to say that was, one, that was one time really badly. That's why we weren't ready for it. We got it pumped. Not, no, not at all. <laughs> that was a sucker punch, Mother Nature. <laughs> Actually, I was, I was living with my grandma in the city at the time, so we had like four extra generators. So when everybody had no power, I was just playing like Xbox and shit. You were living lavish? Yeah, I was. I'll be honest. <laughs> Bro. You see all those people without the power. House, sorry, house underwater. Yeah, I was like. <laughs> oh, sorry. And we lived on like the 15th floor, so I didn't feel none of that water. It was just, I was up there chilling. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, John, how, how are you doing in Dells? You go next. I, I want to know how you're doing too, bro. Business as usual. We finally got Nuggets fan on the show, someone that can spit some facts to Drew. I'm feeling great. And Aaron Judge Homer. 
back is Drew. back as always. Facts. You're a Yankees fan, Joe? No, but you know what, Riff? This is the year. This is the year I get You're it. Fraudulent. I'm a power. You're fraudulent. What, who are you a fan of? He doesn't know. Are you just Pittsburgh, bro? Pirates, man. You know John, John, you know it also. Be a Yankee me, fan. However, be a after every time you stop talking, you turn your mic off. I really would love to know why you do that. Because my mic <laughs> will give interference if I don't. So I want to eliminate any possible interference. That's the reason why. Uh, God's so I'm, funny. I'm, trying, like, I'm just trying to learn. That's it. John I, is like unintentionally I... funny. Like he's just he funny. is, bro. He really is. Um, I'm doing good though. Celtics have been on a little hot streak. Smoke the fucking shit out of the Bucks. And Joel, you better be, you better backtrack some of them statements. We've it was the fifth game, their fifth game in times. seven days. It didn't oh, yeah, impress me. Yeah, the, the Bucks who were just like 24 and three in their last 27 can't win five and seven. Whatever. I'm been good. Mets are winning right now, two to one, uh, two and one start the season as well. Senga is making his MLB debut today. So very excited. And now don't think I, I didn't notice Drew after because I know for the last couple of games I've been using memes to count clown the Lakers and the Lakers beat the Timberwolves and Drew responds with the goddamn fucking meme. I'm like this guy stealing my goddamn swag. I had to because you had your, your little moment with the Bulls. You thought you guys were cute. Riv too. But when the Lakers beat the Bulls, I didn't say anything. And of course, when the Lakers beat the Timberwolves, I wasn't going to talk crazy to you. But of course... I had to hit you with a little bit of your own medicine. Felt good. Felt great. Yeah, but Jada I was going McDaniels, through my phone. Jaden McDaniels did lock up LeBron. He he definitely <laughs> he definitely made LeBron uncomfortable. I feel like locking him up is a little bit strong. He had 18 points, bro. Did McDaniels lock up KD? I missed that game. Did he lock he up? He did KD? lock up KD he as well. Lock up KD, KD was missing, I feel like, more than locking him up, bro. Oh, yeah. Like this kind of like the series versus Celtics. Don't KD, you think? That was KD's first nah. game back, though. It was Joel. Was, was, KD was Joel, you could say the exact same thing about LeBron. LeBron usually makes some shots, I didn't just didn't ball. It is what it is. So before we start, so before we start the first segment of the podcast, Jack, I'm actually curious to know where the 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 at name Jokic Joe Star originates from. Uh, it's from an anime. It's from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Uh, so like every main character in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure has like a full name. And uh, part of each of their name has Joe in it. Like the main character for season three, his name's like Jotaro Kujo, Jojo. It comes together. And so I was like, damn, Jokic has Joe in it. And then, uh-huh. uh, yeah. And so, I don't know. Yeah, it's from an anime. And it just hit me one day. I was like, that kind of that's it rolls off the tongue a little bit. Yeah. And I looked it up. No one had it. So I was like, damn, okay. <laughs> I recently started watching uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I'm like on like the fifth episode of it. First season, mid. Power through, bro. Because like uh, (laughs) around like season two, season three, the powers get cooler. The uh, art style gets more creative. I'm like the first season's like 18th century England, if I'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun, but it gets way more fun down the line. So each season, is there a different main character? Yes, yeah, it's oh, wow. the same family. It's like it takes course over like yeah, decades and stuff. It's all like an isolated kind of adventure. And what are your favorite animes? Um, I like that. I like Hunter Hunter. That was my favorite one. Mm-hmm. I love Cowboy Bebop. Um, I don't know. I haven't like I fell off anime uh like this past year because I started watching more realistic stuff. I'm on Succession right now, mm, and tough. like I'm, I'm in like a, the HBO era. I watched The did, Sopranos too. That was really good. Did you watch The Wire yeah. yet? No, no. I've been meaning to watch The Wire. I've been getting a bunch of clips on. Uh, hey Jack, TikTok. have you watched BMF? Yeah. 
Uh, no, I haven't. What's that's that? on Showtime. That's on. That's on. I thought it was Stars. Hulu, 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 Hulu. No, no, no. But All like right. the the you know it originates from like oh, I don't, Showtime. I, I don't get into the originate. I just find it. Yeah, what's it? What's it stand for? Oh, Jack. It's about um this black mafia family, and um mm-hmm. they pretty much ran Detroit. You might like it. Damn, I'll check it out. Yeah, yeah I mean, he produces it. I really watch anything. I'm down. Yeah, lock in, lock in on that. Yeah. Now, yeah, I definitely feel you because I, I went through this anime stage and I used to, and I started watching realistic stuff. So I watched the Ozarks on Netflix. That shit was a fucking banger. Yeah, Ozarks yeah. is amazing. Yeah, Ozarks is amazing. But I recently got into anime. I was, I was, just, I just finished up uh, Hunter mm-hmm. X Hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the Chimera arts ants. Dude, arc. this shit is so gas, bro. Oh yeah. my god. Um, yeah, I love anime. It's good. It's just like, especially during the semester when I'm doing schoolwork and stuff, I watch things in the background while I do work. Obviously, I don't speak Japanese. So and I hate like the dubs <laughs> for animes. They're also yeah. cringe. So yeah, when I can like sit down and focus on it, anime's chill. But right now when I have to like multitask, I just don't really have time. For yeah. It. And are you have you watched the Attack on Titan? Yes, but not all the Please way through. Please no spoilers. Please uh, yeah, no spoilers. Yeah, yeah. I have loaded. not like caught up, but dude, I I didn't really know what I was getting into when I watched Attack on Titan, and I binged like the first season in two days. Yeah, it's so depressing, bro. Yeah, like, it is depressing. I was like, holy shit, I gotta take a break, dude. <laughs> Man, I started watching Attack on Titan after the first episode. My jaw was just floored. I was like, holy yeah. shit. And then, yeah. bro, like I had school the next two three days. I did not go to school. I literally was fucking like all day long, like watching Attack on Time for like 16 hours a day. And I finished the entire thing in like like five days. Yeah, yeah. I was going that's crazy. A on Attack on that, Time. That's a good show. You know, you can't give it up. And Drew, you've been watching Dragon Ball Z. Dude, I finally just got past the Majin Buu fight with Goku. I won't say because I know people don't watch and I don't like spoilers myself, but I have three episodes left. So I grinded all of Dragon Ball. Now I've grinded all of Dragon Ball Z. Now I just have to watch Super. And that's another like 120 episode commitment. So I might take a break. I might watch something else. I've been really wanting to watch Better Call Saul. Because Breaking it's Bad's so my- good. Yeah, dude. bro, I've heard. People say that it's comparable to Breaking Bad. It like is. It's actually that good. So I need to finish... I need to finish Dragon Ball Z. I have like three episodes left. And then I'm going to start Better Call Saul. Because Breaking Bad's like my favorite TV show ever. So I know I'm, I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah, it's good. On to the first topic of the episode. NBA's new CBA. Now, these are some important points that we all have to know from the NBA's new CBA. Extensions increase from 120% to 140% with uh, how much a team can pay a, a player that is up for contract. There's going to be an in-season tournament starting in the 23-24 season. So next season, basically. And the prize money is $500,000 per player. And another important point is that a minimum of 65 games, players have to reach that minimum in order to be eligible for major awards, which is a huge shift. If that rule was implemented this year, Embiid is not an MVP candidate. Um, and then also teams over the $17.5 million salary cap threshold can't sign free agents to a mid-level exception deal. Each team is allowed a third two-way deal. And I, I guess this is an important one, too, uh, uh, for, like, players. NBA players are no longer penalized for marijuana, and it has been removed from drug testing program. That's huge. 
And so those are the those, yes. So those are the major points from the new CBA. So I want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, John, I'll start with you. John. I can't believe people hate the in-season tournament because to me, it makes things way more interesting. And what I look at is when the NBA had in the play-in tournament, most people did not like it too much, right? Because it was new. It was a little bit unusual. But we got to see matchups like Ja versus Steph, Steph versus LeBron. We got to see high-profile matchups, and it made the games more interesting. And so when you talk about, I think the biggest part of this from the fan perspective through actions was the in-season tournament. I can't be the only one that looks at it and says, this could be a really good idea. And you're only adding in one extra game. The NBA season has 1,230. So the only downside, the potential risk of a player getting hurt in that game, they can get hurt in the 1,230 others. No, I don't think you're too far off, John. And when I first saw the in-season tournament, I, I wasn't a big fan of it. But then I thought about it. And I thought about it while I was standing at a light pole waiting to walk across the street. And I was like, you know what? Maybe it's not that bad because it can't get worse. Like the NBA regular season can't get worse in terms of excitement for the regular season. The in-season tournament can only better the product. Like there, like you said, there is no downside to having the in-season tournament. So that's why I thought about it. And I was like, you know what? You know, I, I guess it, it's not a bad idea. And if anything, you know, it's an extra, it's, it's extra money for players that are playing in it. I know the WNBA does something similar to what the NBA is implementing. But then again, I just, I just, I always go back to it's clear that the players don't really care about the regular season anymore. And an in season tournament, I don't think that players are all of, all of a sudden going to try. At least the star players are going to give it their all to win this tournament. It's going to be like a summer league championship, in my opinion. It's going to be the equivalent to that, where like people are just, okay, you want it, who cares? Like, let's move on. Like, but, it can only bring more excitement to the regular season, which is why I guess there's not a lot of downsides to it. I'm trying to remain open-minded to it. Uh, I'm just curious, have they already released the breakdown of the end-season tournament? Like, how is it going to take place? It's going to be the playing games will be baked into the regular season schedule. So they're not really adding in new games. And the top eight teams are going to qualify into a single elimination. The winner okay. takes home 500K per player with the coaches, I would reckon, getting something out of it. And this finale game is going to be taking place in December. I think it would be awesome if it was played on Christmas Day to really drive up fan interest up until Christmas because there are a lot of fans. Interesting. It doesn't feel like the NBA season begins up until Christmas. But if you can have a little bit of a lead up in the weeks before, especially for mid-teams like the Wizards, that are going to be really competitive in the tournament, then they're going to have something to play for with more media and you know, national television deals. And then I think on Christmas Day, it could be the final game. So are they going to start using this to add to people's legacies? Because, of course, people love narratives. So I'm, I'm assuming, Riv, if the Warriors win the first in-season yes, yes. tournament, yes. it's going to be used yes. to his legacy. Absolutely. All right, that's another thing that I'm keeping in mind, too. So if any, is there a name for it? Do they have a name for, like, the trophy I don't know. I know the WNBA's version of this. It's called the Commissioner's Cup. Okay. Because mm, you know you have like the Larry Bird Trophy when you win like yeah the, I'm sure it'll get a name awesome. like that they made a big deal yeah. naming yeah. everything. My big concern with it is it seems it seems to me like it could be like a target score in the All Star Game situation where the first year it goes down it works really well and like it's super effective it's super exciting it works out everything but then like as it kind of goes on it does uh, lose a bit of its potency. It stops becoming competitive and entertaining. And if it doesn't work out, 
it seems very like gimmicky like it would just be this point in the season where we hit and we're like okay now we have to do all this why did we implement it if it's not going to be exciting so like i feel like it's a risk reward situation i don't hate that christmas day take at all i think that's exciting uh i would hope that like it's not the only thing that goes down on christmas day though because i love watching basketball that's one of my favorite parts of christmas it's like noon to nine basketball watching the knicks on christmas for sure that's always the worst part <laughs> that's the that's a 12 p.m. slot. <laughs> 12 o'clock, Knicks first balls or whatever. Down, Julius Randall highlight. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, um, no, Drew, you were right. If uh, the Warriors are the first in the season tournament winners, I will push that. But um, if anyone else wins, you won't care at all. Yeah, it'll probably care. be a regular season fraud team like the Grizzlies that win something like that. Kane, um, respect John Morant, please. Um. I just don't think there's no real incentive for the older players. You know, like the guys like Kevin Durant, LeBron, Steph, Kawhi, Paul, like all the older players, there's no real incentive for them. I think this is more of trying to keep the young guys exciting for the regular season, keep them fresh, keep them, you know, tuned in, having them because they've been very active and wanting to play more games, wanting to be more active for the fans. But for the older guys, you know, the guys that still bring in the, the biggest draw in the NBA, you know, LeBron, Steph, there's no real incentive for them for this in-season tournament. You know, it's been like for most of this NBA CBA stuff, there's no real incentive for the older players. But for the in-season tournament, like you guys, I'm pretty optimistic about it. I'm excited to see how it's going to go. You know, we can always add something new. So I'm not going to sit here and put bad energy on it. But I don't think the incentive for the older players is really going to drive it to be any better than what it's really going to be. Yeah, and the play-in, I know a lot of people compare it to the play-in, but the play-in is still for the playoffs, which you go to try to win a finals on, right? This is still the regular season. There's really no real implications on, like, I don't know, maybe 20 years from now we'll talk about the in-season tournament as something more than just a regular season. But as of right now, it doesn't seem like it. Um, I don't think you mentioned it, Joel, but also we have positionless all-NBA spots, which is obviously going to be massive. Um, for not just like guys like Joel Embiid who deserve to be on all first team, but guys who are just top players who can get that super max extension who haven't been able to because it's just sorted in a, a weird way. Um, one thing I want to talk about that I disliked about the new CBA was all of these new rules implemented for the highest spending teams in the league because teams that are in the upper echelon, like the Warriors, Clippers, Celtics are in it as well. There's a bunch of new limits that have been put on. They don't want to see us win, Dallas. They don't want to see us win. You can't sign a player to the mid-level exception. You can't trade cash for a player. First-round picks can't be seven-plus years out. You can't take on more money than you're sending out, which is probably the biggest deal out of everything. And you also can't sign any players in the buyout market. I understand wanting to limit teams so you don't have this crazy super team, but you also don't want to limit owners from spending money. Like there should not be a negative for an owner wanting to spend all the money possible because at the end of the day, that's just going to be beneficial for the players as well. So I'm not trying to be biased as a Celtic fan who kind of fits in this bracket, but it feels like you're limiting the top teams to improve themselves in the offseason and the buyout market and the trade deadline. Well, listen, listen, Dale. Oh, he, he, well. he, he just Eminem'd himself. He eight miled himself. He dissed himself when it came <laughs> to the Celtics take because that's what I was going to come to you with, Dells. Well, of course, you're opposed to it because the Celtics are nearing being that top spender. And of course, you want to have the most stacked team. But I'm sorry to tell you, it's not happening no more, Dells. It's not happening. <laughs> yeah. I'm worried about that Jalen Brown extension. I can it's, tell. It stops here, Dells. All right? <laughs> oh, yeah, we have this can't get any more powerful. Super team. 
It, it can't get anything. Look, I, I, I actually like this rule a lot because yeah. I, I feel like it makes like sense. It, it does make sense. Like the NFL is not like the MLB where you could just spend however much you want. I think that the NBA is a salary cap league. And because of that, we should have limitations on these, on these teams from spending so much money to getting these players. I agree with this. I actually really do. And it's not because I hate the Celtics or anything like that. It's just, I really agree with this. And, you know, I hope that teams are making use of like their, now their third two way player contract. Cause now that's going to be replacing it. Right. Instead of signing players to mid-level exceptions, you're going to have to find these hidden gems in the G league to sign to two way deals. Cause now you have three spots available for that. This, this, also, this limits player movement. Like I know the Katie yeah. and Kyrie trade would have been impacted if the CBA was implemented this season. So it, shouldn't, shouldn't we want that though? Want see. But I, I feel like, shouldn't we want to limit player movement for the fact that. Ew, it, it, no, it, absolutely it not. Like, it, it LeBron feels, guy. Okay, okay. Lakers fan. Of course you don't want that. The LeBron guy. I, know, I just think yeah. that when it comes, when it comes to player. Sorry, movement, I'm progressive thinker. I'm a progressive thinker. Have you guys ever looked at how the league looked like four years ago? And you're just like, wow, everybody's in a different Jersey now. I feel like there's no, no continuity and it's better for the league. If there is continuity around where players are playing. I mean, just think about it, like stagnant as an owner, an owner can't hold a, a superstar hostage or a team hostage saying, no, I'm going to sign my one guy and not pay anyone else. And you're just stuck here. Like I think it, it puts pressure on the owners in the front office to to build a great team. If you could have a player request a trade and he just gets out because you're not winning. Personally, like I get I get both sides. You know, you want to limit player movements because you don't want everybody going everywhere. You want you kind of want to keep for the most part things competitive. You know, you want to keep a good level playing field, have a lot of teams competitive. But using the Warriors and the Celtics as examples. Teams should not get penalized for keeping the same players that they've had for so long. That it, There should not be a penalty for drafting guys, them being good for your franchise, and you just keep re-signing them. I don't think – I think that's unfair. You know, this this hit a little home for me because we wouldn't have Dante DiVincenzo if this rule came out last oh, year. Boy, but he's that, not homegrown, though. Where would you be with that? No, man. I know, but I'm saying he's on a, he's on a mid-level. That's hurtful for me. Like, that, that's painful for me because he's a good player. But I think for some teams, like – it's kind of like, like for the Clippers, I understand. Everybody on the team is not homegrown. For the Lakers, to a degree, same thing. So I understand for some teams, it makes sense. But for other teams that are homegrown, I don't think this is fair. I think you should have a right to keep the players you draft and they develop with you. And I believe Otto Porter was the MLE player for the Warriors last season, if I'm nice, not mistaken. Nice, nice. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was crucial for the championship team. Yeah, he was. He was all right. You know? he, he, he played his role. But the, the positionless basketball shit, I'm not, I'm not cool with. I don't like that. I, 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 Why not? I, with the teams? Yeah, for the OMB I'm not a fan of that, man. I, I don't want to see, like, I don't I'm all see four big men on the first team. I really don't. Like, Get I, better I, guards. What do you want? I mean, I don't want to see. This is solely because of Embiid. Embiid constantly complaining about it. And, and to be fair, Embiid is a first-team player. For him to never have been a first-team All-NBA in his career is get not better, all right. How, however, I agree. I agree with you. But you can't say that, get better, but then agree with now the position, the positionless All-NBA. My whole thing is just like the All-NBA teams, I think if you're like remaking the NBA, it makes way more sense to just be like top 15 guys. Agree. Because, like, yeah, when you're looking back through the years – you don't want to see like the ben two Simmons guys. make it. Yeah. 
Yeah, you don't want to see the two best big men and then guards who are like the eighth and ninth best players in the league. But, but I always thought that was fair, though. You had it the, is fair. you had all NBA. You had who's the top guards, who's the top forwards, and who's the top center. You split it up because they don't. They're positions that don't have the same responsibility. A guard and a center don't have the same responsibility, and they don't even have the same role. So I thought it was fair where you split it up with guards, forwards, and center. Now, I mean, I get it. The best fifteen players. It's understandable, but it don't leave no wiggle room for those top 20-ish guys that have like a top 10, top 15 season. I, I don't know, Riv. I disagree with that. I think that Jokic has a responsibility of a guard. He's new, though. He's a different yeah. type of There's player. He's, you're right. You're I think, right. I think, I think you, can, you can say Giannis has that responsibility on him as well. He is, guard? He, he's a He's one of the primary playmakers for the Bucs. I don't think he has a responsibility of a guard, though. He's a he's a post playmaker. I don't. I wouldn't give him. He's, Drew he Holiday. does more than just post playmaker. Yeah, but I wouldn't give him a Drew Holiday response. Like he's not. He don't have the same responsibility as Drew Holiday. Nah, but Giannis will take the ball. I get what up. you, he'll, I get what you mean, sit, though. I just think basketball is positionless, and if we were mm-hmm. remaking the All NBA team given this current structure, we know that Giannis and Bede and Jokic are the three players that are going to be in it. Who who would be their your next two if we're doing it like that? But wait, Tatum. Uh, Quick question, because you said basketball is positionless, and I I agree to a degree. But how is basketball positionless when centers are playmakers? Yes, but realistically, thirty teams are in the NBA. There's only like three to four, maybe five <clears throat> centers that are really positionless. The center position is still protect the rim, get points in the paint. So for the most part, it's still centers have to do that primary job. But those are the players that we're talking about in the All NBA. Getting supermax like, contracts. Demont- Demontis True. Sabonis is somebody who has guard responsibilities on his yeah. team. But Rudy Gobert is not, and he got a supermax. Rudy Gobert's not, but I I think if given this current structure, he wouldn't be an All NBA player. He'd yeah. probably make it like a couple, maybe two seasons where he really mm-hmm. deserved it, and the defensive metrics were off the charts. But for example, I think also guards have different responsibilities as well. Like yeah. guards, when comparing them to each other. Their responsibilities are, are different, too. I think Darius Garland is one of them where he's taking a back seat because of Donovan Mitchell coming to town. But if he had his if he was the clear number one on the team, his numbers would would look even better than they do now. Yeah, yeah. I get what you mean. You think he's all NBA if Donovan Mitchell's not on the team? I think he's close to it. They wouldn't win as much. So I would say. No, oh, I mean, yeah, no shot. But uh, yeah, I, I think, think he's he's 26 and eight. He's nice, bro. He's, he's, 20, he's 21 and seven he's, now. I think he's, a, he's a great basketball player. I just think that there are so many guards that we were having this conversation in our Discord chat. There are six firm guards right now that are just undisputed all NBA. And there's so many great players in that association right now that there could be a fourth team. That's how great, how many great basketball players there have been this season. But off the top of my head, you still have SGA who's got to make an all NBA. Curry has to make an All-NBA. Luka has to make an All-NBA. I, I think Dame for sure has to make an All-NBA. You have Devin, Devin, you oh, have De'Aaron yeah. Fox, John Moran. This is Devin where the game is played. Comes Donovan in. Mitchell. Now- There's just so – Jalen Brown probably is going to get votes as a forward. Oh. But think about like that, how easy it is to just name all these guards. In my opinion, I think Kyrie deserves recognition. For all NBA as well. I know people don't believe, don't. He's not making that. Belief, I mean, like, no, no doubt. But he's played well enough that he deserved consideration, in my opinion. Yeah. Darius Garland, at this point, I'll take over Kyrie pretty easily, in my opinion, okay. at least. What are we doing? Like, why are we <laughs> suddenly, like, <laughs> if what? Is, it, is that not a fact? I, pretty I mean, easily. He's still the more efficient player. By how much? Darius Garland is very efficient. I mean, he might be he the most is efficient very efficient. 
He is very efficient. I'll give it. I'll give Garland that benefit of the doubt for sure. But Kyrie is like Joel. Joel just said, arguably the most efficient player outside of Steph Curry. Mm, not more efficient than him. 50, 40, and 90 this season? right? Or you said 50, 39, right? Yeah. yeah. Like He's not more efficient than Dame, though. Dame has been unbelievable this season, so I actually would not doubt that that statement's correct. He's been Listen, stupid. I think Kyrie's a phenomenal player, but I do think that we tend to overrate him a bit. I he think that Dar- Dar- Darius Garland and Kyrie is a legitimate conversation, and I think if you're definitely building a team now, you're going to go with Garland. Like, yeah, Garland. Oh, yeah. John, John I know you hear Garland's name, and you're pitching a tent, so John, go ahead. The truth is – Kyrie hasn't made one of his teams better since Cleveland. And I love Kyrie. He's one of my favorite players to watch. He can let up a a box score. He's he's an absolute magician. But we saw in the Celtics, the Nets, and then the Mavericks, he doesn't actually raise the team's floor oftentimes. And when I look at Jalen Brunson and Tyrese Halliburton, I think those are the two guards that we really need to give more credit to because of how well they've played while making a bigger impact on their team's winning. Yeah. I think when you look at Kyrie, he's really like that guy – if you can build a team that can put him in position to be in like the conference finals, hitting big shots and like closing out big games. Yeah. He's great. He's probably better than Darius Garland at that kind of stuff, but like 82 game regular season, especially uh, recency bias is tough, but the Mavs have just stunk with him and it's not entirely his fault, but I mean, it's tough to really evaluate Kyrie right now. And if it I was mean, the we're talking about the Mavs, you're probably talking more confidently that Kyrie is an all-NBA player. If he went to Dallas and all of a sudden, instead of, you know, this terrible run they've been on, if they're doing the opposite and they're like 10 and 2 in their last 12, it's probably a lot easier to have that conversation. But since they've just been so terrible and, and might miss the play, and now it's like, yeah, there's no chance I'm going to put Kyrie in that conversation, even though numbers-wise he deserves it. But when we do have a tiebreaker of actual impact and winning on a team, that's where I don't I don't push back on the Garland saying you take him over Kyrie because all of the you know extracurricular stuff you get with Kyrie at times. Yeah. I mean, given the fact that the Nets are playing good and then Katie goes out and they're a below five hundred team, and then he totally destroys the entire team with the trade request. He's not an All NBA player for me. It's not great. Oh, all because he ruined my narrative and opportunity. He destroyed a team. What do you mean? It's not even a narrative. It's it's just a fact. He destroyed the team. He told me they'd be over 500 without KD. Well, they were close, but then he just requested a trade out of nowhere. I would say, you, Kyrie, you ruined KD's chance to win. I hate you. If you had just said below 500, that that would have held so much more weight. And then you followed up with like facts. That's a fact. Blowing up, (laughs) it's like you're showing you're showing your cards a little bit. (laughs) Oh man. Um, but now they got Brooklyn Bridges, which is fine. You're not pushing them anymore, though. So, I mean, no, I, I, I definitely told y'all about Mikel Bridges and what he was going to do, though. You did. haven't heard anything about him in the last month, but from you, nah, I'm nah, saying, nah, he's been balling. Oh, I'm saying from Joel. The Grizzlies yeah. knew. They did know. That would have been knew. a steal, man, if they would have got him. For I actually, let me know if you guys like this idea because I actually come up with this idea about like, um, an in-season tournament structure that can actually be meaningful for the playoffs. And I just thought about this now. So I think that we have to start making divisions matter. I think that would boost up the regular season so much. If we made each division matter and we can have a tournament within the season for those top teams within the division to face each other. And whoever wins that tournament of like the divisions gets the top spot for the playoffs. Like they're the division winners for the playoffs. Maybe I'm in the minority of this belief. I 
I like how the NBA is kind of in its own. I can't say that because hockey is similar where divisions really don't matter too much and still it's, it's best in the conference. But I was going to say how unique it is that the NBA really is just conference based and not division based, but that statement gets thrown out the window because hockey is the same way. So I understand what you're saying. I, I feel like that's not a, a bad idea by any means start to give it some type of validity, some type of substance there. But for me personally, I like the way that it's structured already. I like that the NBA has decided to stick with the conferences, top eight in the conference. And now the play-in, which John said people are skeptical. I'm all in on the play-in. The play-in is a great idea. It makes for competitive basketball, very interesting basketball. Everyone loves a nice do or die situation. And that's the play-in. So hey, like, I, I don't think that's a bad idea, Joel. Like for example, the, the way this would be structured is that, there will be a certain part in the season where teams within the same division just face each other. And it would be basically, okay, the first seed in the division gets to buy and they don't face anybody until the second round. And the set, like, for example, we're talking about like the East, the Atlantic division, the Celtics will get to buy the Sixers face the Raptors, the Knicks face the Nets. And then the winner of those two games face the first seeded Celtics and like the championship for the division and whoever wins that gets that seating in the playoffs, the top seating in the playoffs. Like, so I think if they were to structure than, it. Hmm? Sorry, you care about that more than the issue we have in the NFL now where the Bucks win nine games and the Cowboys won 11 and have to go on the road? Does that, you know, seating matter more than win-loss record? Honestly, I think that when it comes to the NBA, 16 teams make the playoffs out of 30. That's already half the league. And I, I don't think it's going to change much. Like the the bottom team, the bottom teams that make the playoffs are still going to be teams that we look at as first round exits anyway. The same way with the with the NFL, where those divisions where the teams aren't very good, we look at them. Oh, and we we look at another team that can maybe you know make the playoffs over them. They possibly should make it, but yeah. I feel like divisions should matter. Like I think and they now should. Matter. would be a five seed this year, and it depends. It depends. I think it all depends. I it, think maybe they'd be the five seed, or maybe they beat the Celtics. They, yeah, that's true. Assuming they don't, yeah. yeah. Well, then the Celtics would be the five. You know, I don't know. Yeah, but then they're going to be a very great five seed. Yeah, it, like either way, it it would be it would be beneficial. Did you steal that idea from Two K? Nah, I just thought of it now. <laughs> while, we, while, we, while we were talking, I thought about it. I was like, they have I that. Think, they have that rule in Two K. Oh, they do. Yeah, like I didn't even know it. that. Yeah, they have that rule in Two K. Nah, yeah, I feel like we just have to start making. Divisions matter, and I well, think if if we make if we make divisions matter, the regular season will become much more interesting than just a five hundred thousand dollar prize. That for the top NBA players, what they're making that shit is nothing to them. Divisions I mean, don't matter yeah. because there's no rivalries, and there's no rivalries because everybody are friends. That's the problem. Like it, it used to I don't be know if rivalries. I don't know if that's it. Listen, I agree with you. There's not rivalries the way that there once was in the NBA, but now it seems like everyone versus. Memphis Grizzlies, that's a strong rivalry. I still think about the Bucks and the Heat, although the Bucks obviously won the NBA championship, so they kind of deaded that, but that's still a rivalry in my eyes. Who Celtics considers Philly, the Grizzlies who, Philly in the postseason? This who season? considers the that's, Grizzlies a rivalry outside of fans? No team considers them a rivalry. Yeah, because right now they're they haven't Philly, won anything of substance. Philly and Boston no aren't a rivalry anything. because Philly doesn't even beat Boston ever. I'm right. just saying it'll be heated games. Like, yeah, it'll be heated games. Be like heated games and a rivalry is different. Yeah, like it could but be also the reason the no reason rivalry. why there's more rivalries in the NFL is because there are divisions. It's a fact. Like yeah, John is a so Steelers much. fan and he hates the Ravens, Bengals, and Browns. I'm a Jets fan. I hate the Dolphins, the Patriots. 
I like Josh Allen. So I got a soft spot for You're the Bills gross. a little bit. You but do I, really? I do uh, hate I like the Mac Bills. Jones, too. <laughs> but you think that's a you think that's a division thing because they're literally legit used it to is be that in the league and I, I think I just, it is like ex for example like the Jets we've been like a, such a horrible team for our entire lifetime but we still hate the Patriots because they've beat us thirteen times in a row in the regular season and I think that if the NBA had divisions now a rivalry be b between the Knicks and Nets becomes more than just but the NBA has a rivalry and it becomes like an actual in game rivalry. The NBA has division. My big concern with matter. having the tournament in division would be that once you start getting into like smaller sample sizes, deciding like where teams are going to be seated, you will get some wonky stuff where there can be worse teams that get hot at the right time for that tournament and will be seated higher. And I mean, if you're looking at it from the perspective of like the Lakers this year, if they could catch a team like that in a three seed matchup, which I mean, I know they're probably already looking at like. Is it the Grizzlies or the Kings is the three seed right Kings. now? Kings. Kings. Oh, if the Lakers – oh, man. I love the Kings. Talk I'm not going to get into that right now. But looking at it from that perspective, if the Lakers as a low seed could get someone who won their division that is not really that good of a team, that could give you some weird playoff matchups. That would be my big yeah. concern with something like that. Definitely. I agree with that. And the last thing I want to talk about about the new CBA is we mentioned that you need 65 games in order to qualify for these big awards. That really is not going to impact too many of the top guys. We have around, what, five games remaining left on the schedule. Joel Embiid's at 63. He's going to hit that 65. Luke is at 63. Damian Lillard probably would be cooked because they're shutting him down 58. Shea's at 65. Giannis is going to get to 65. Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown, Trey Young, who's been really good. Obviously, he's not going to get all NBA recognition. But a lot of the top guys have hit that 65 mark, and I feel like that number was very calculated because it's not, in the grand scheme of things, hard to hit that 65 mark. You're missing – they're allowing games. you to miss 17 That's games. a lot of games. That's a lot of games, exactly. I feel Very like well 60 should be the mark. Saying, they're basically saying you have to play 80% of the red. NBA season. Yeah, 60, yeah, I thought, I thought 70 would be a little more. 80, 80 is like you're playing damn near the whole year. 65 <laughs> is the perfect number. You get 17 games to sit and miss time. That's See, fair. That means your boy LeBron makes no NBA. No, I know. And I mean, it. LeBron's missed a ton of the season. Like, I don't think that's yes, insane yeah. to suggest, like... Uh, no, it's not. Yeah. Uh, to me, this is the most clear-cut, like, black-and-white good thing in the CBA. Because even if, like, if we want to disagree on how many games is the correct amount of games, having, like, a very hard-line rule, right. just removing, like, all of this gray area about how many games is enough games to win a major award is good. Like, that's one of the yeah. dumbest things in basketball discourse to me. <laughs> I agree. It's like Kawhi Leonard. He played 47 games. We were just talking about a Riv and was second team All NBA. He played yeah, like 50, 51, and he made 51. second team All NBA. We could stop having that conversation. Did he play enough? Like, oh, would you put him over? He played 15 less games. Like that, that conversations are dead. And we could just be. We about to have we about to have All NBA teams with like mad no old heads. Like like Jaron Bridges. Chael Bridges just got to a third team one of these years. He just yeah. got to a third team. Oh, he's coming for second, bro. Looney for 13. Don't sleep. <laughs> he plays 80 games. Don't sleep. It's Please like Jaron Jackson would be one of those guys that you wouldn't expect to be all NBA. But if he has the, the credentials, the 65 games, it, and a season like this year where we've seen him improve offensively, obviously he's been one of the best defensive players in the game. He might sneak into an all NBA. So that's why I like the 65. It allows people that show in night in, night out that they're durable, that are going to be there on the NBA court and starts to give them a little bit of praise. 
NBA contender tiers. We're going to be naming our top five teams in each conference that we feel is most likely to win an NBA championship. And we're going to start out wonky. We're going to start out wild because I think the East is very cut and dry. The West and conferences, we're, we're going to get a lot of different answers. And I'm curious to see all these different answers. Jack, I'm going to start with you. Who are your top five teams in the West? Let's start from five to one. Dude, the West is weird. When I sat down to look at this, I'm like, Nuggets and Suns, easy top two for me, just yeah. in terms of like at least winning the uh, conference. I don't know about winning the championship. But then you get down to like the next three. I believe in the Kings. I really do. Mm-hmm. Watching them in the clutch, their offense is – I mean, Darren Fox, that stupid little he's... free throw line jumper, bro. <laughs> like, he's different. Yeah, he's nasty. I think I'm torn between Kings and Grizzlies for my number three. And then at number five, I do have the Lakers. I, they remind me of the Warriors of a little bit last season. How everything's kind of coming together at the right time. Jack, if, Jack, Jack, spin that list one more time. Just run it off real quick. Nuggets, Suns, Grizzlies, Kings, Lakers. Yeah, what the fuck? What do you want from me? What do you want from me? That's why. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What the fuck is going on? What do you want from me? Have your fun. I'm just saying. I think, okay, the Warriors, bro. I'm just letting you know. I'm going to just tell you this, Jack. Andrew Wiggins has been practicing. He's been shooting around. You really think they can Uh, can start winning games on the road like that? We won two. The last road, the last road uh, trip, we won two in a row. Uh, what are you up to? Yo, nine, wins. Exactly. nine wins. Exactly. They don't even have double digits. They don't have double digits. <laughs> the Grizzlies have like fourteen. That's what they like. What are they doing? Man, we're thirty-two and seven at home. Yeah, you're not playing at home that much in the playoffs. Hey, I mean, all we gotta do is all we gotta do is sneak one hey, road. Don't get win. me wrong. I'm not saying it's impossible. Steph Curry is Steph Curry. Andrew the Wiggins is clearly a huge uh, difference maker. He's a genius. And Anthony Davis has been balling. I don't know how much I believe in that durability. He rolled his ankle the other day. I thought the season I was, was over. I was like, it's cooked. It's done. And he got <laughs> me laughing about through. Joel, what's funny about that? <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. Grow <laughs> up. Are you hoping for injury right now? No, I don't hope anyone oh gets injured. God. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> the playoffs are physical, bro. Like, they really start letting calls go and stuff. I don't know. Think about the last time we saw AD in the playoffs. Think about it. That was so long ago. I don't remember. remember. It was a minute ago, bro. Oh, he got hurt. Like, 2021 was so long ago. (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, My son was was one, Drew. He's about to be four. He's about to be four. Good good friend. That was a a minute ago, bro. Oh, man. That is a little while ago. So, if if you were to pick a wild card, Jack, who would be your wild card? The sixth spot. Sixth spot? Probably the Warriors, I'd say. I- I'll give the Warriors. It's got the Grizzlies. He's not the top five. Where are the Grizzlies? He said the Grizzlies. Grizzlies are like my third or fourth team. Once, I mean, if if John Morant is 100% in the mix, I like I back on the Grizzlies train. Like, I get that all the drama kind of made people fall off with them, but they're a really good basketball team. Once, I mean, once you don't have Dylan Brooks as your like second leading scorer, shit can change pretty quick. <laughs> Riff. Would you like would you like me to go second or you want Riff to go because he disrespected you the know, Warriors? I want Riff to go because obviously he's gonna have the Warriors in his top five, and I don't think it's a bad take at all. But you know, he, he shitted on Jack's list a little bit, so I'm curious to see if <laughs> he even has the Kings in his top five because I have a feeling it's not gonna be there. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I don't have like an order, I just have 
five teams. My um, goodness, so bro. Denver. Phoenix. I'll tell you what I took. I took a similar approach because I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to rank these guys. It, man, it depends know? on seeding, who plays who. I don't want to get into that. But Denver, Phoenix, I think are pretty obvious. Um, yeah. I had I had the Lakers. I had the Warriors. I did have those two up there. And number five, it was like a 50-50 between the Kings and the Grizzlies. It was a legit 50-50. Wow. One high-power offense, no defense. Another high-power defense, half-court offense stinks. It was like a tale of it's two better. halves. The Grizzlies. The Grizzlies and the Kings. Yeah, it's it been like, better. It, yeah, it's like a tale of two halves. I don't. I, I would probably lean the offense, so I might say the Kings. I, but the Grizzlies, you know, they have the experience a little bit. They've been in the playoffs. So the Grizzlies like, half court offense in March is ranked like 15th. It's still average. Yeah. Yep. That's that's one month with nobody. All the shit teams don't play hard. But, um, you know, those are my two teams at five because those two teams are such like wild cards in a sense. Like the Kings offensively is one of the best units it, probably in NBA history. But are you going to get that same high powered offense in the playoffs? You know, playoffs are a little mm-hmm. different with the Grizzlies. Can they fix up their half court offense? Do they have enough shooting? Defensively, we know they're great. When Jaron Jackson gets into foul trouble, <clears throat> what happens? Is Steven Adams going to be back? You know, that's always a tricky That's situation. a huge question because I yeah. mean, like, and I, I like, I'll, I'll probably put those no two. or Adams. That's not ideal. Yeah, I'll put those two teams over the Warriors just for the simple fact they don't have Andrew Wiggins. They still struggle in the wall on the road, you know, so that's something you got to look for. Uh, the Lakers, they just have to be healthy. If they're healthy, that's a team that can be scary defensively. They are really good offensively, they have the firepower. And then Denver and Phoenix, I think, are the clear-cut top teams in the West. Denver's been the best team in the league in the West all year. Phoenix, you have Kevin Durant. You have Devin Booker. I feel like Okoji, Chris Paul, Aiton should be fine. You should have – you have two high-powered offenses. Yeah, you have two high-powered guys. And then my wild card – my wild card would probably be the Clippers if I had to pick a wild card. I was close on them. If Paul George – I mean, they looked good until Paul George went down. They looked like they finally figured it out. So if Paul George come back, if Kawhi gets them out the first round, that's one team that could be my wild card. So those are my teams. I saw John getting giddy when Rich started talking about the Grizzlies. So go ahead, bud. I'll pass it to you. <laughs> this guy's he's ready. My top five with an honorable mention of the Lakers at six would have the Kings at five. Why I let this guy go first? I let this guy go first. My goodness, they're the third seed, John, at five. I do have him at five, but I think it's very close between them. And my dubs, not my dubs, I'm playing the dubs oh at four. But I do think the Warriors are the highest ceiling of any team in this group. We saw it last year when Andrew Wiggins is on the floor. The Warriors, the best five man on lineup in the NBA. And I think he is just the missing piece of Gary Payne returning. Their bench would still stink, though. Dante DiVincenzo, yeah, I think he's been good enough. So I think they'd have six guys, seven guys that they could work with. At number three, I have. The Grizzlies. At two, I have the Suns. And at one, I have the Denver Nuggets. Damn, no Kings. Stay. Kings are five. Not Kings are five. Come on, Dallas. Okay. You got AirPods and you're not listening. <laughs> My team in this mix is the Memphis Grizzlies. I think everybody's written off Memphis, in spite of John Morant being a playoff superstar, their defense being top five, them having one of the better coaches, and also Luke Kennard coming in. He's been an absolute laser from deep. Nuke I've Kinnard. been a shooter on four at all times really does make a difference for a team that last year not only was missing John Morant for half of that Warriors series, which they took the six games, but also was having Desmond Bain play through a back injury, and he wasn't quite the same player. So I think adding Luke Kennard off the bench really could be a difference maker given how badly they needed that extra shooting offensively in the half court. John, you know he's hard to play in playoffs. He can't defend. That's, That's why it helps is. having Jaron Jackson and Xavier yeah. Tillman. I don't know. That's why right, when we're – 
Oh, yeah, you think you, right. are you counting on Xavier Tillman to get a lot of playoff minutes? Tillman's good. I'm not. I think he is. He is solid, could be out for I know season. he's a good player, but I mean the playoffs are different. He might have to if Adams isn't gonna play. Because yeah. Adams got a stem cell injection and seems mm. like he hasn't been recovering well. He is huge on both ends of the floor. And his field John Moran threw a plus ten when he's on the floor. So I think that's a huge loss that 20 minutes per game in the role he could play guarding a Jokic. But the reality with Memphis is no rim protector wants to deal with John Morant because the amount of pressure he puts on the rim with the two shooters opens up a lot for them. They currently rank this year 22nd in half-court offense, and we've seen offenses in the past. Drew's laughing. You're a LeBron guy. No, 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 I'm not laughing. I apologize. I'm not laughing. I'm laughing at the comments. I'm laughing at the comments because someone called me an idiot for telling him to watch Lakers games. I apologize. LeBron and O'Devin made the NBA Finals with the 25th-ranked half-court offense. They went against Antonio and got swept. The Detroit oh, seven. Went Think the about finals. that team you're talking about. Yeah, the Pistons went to the finals in back-to-back seasons, the first year of which they had an above-average half-court offense at like right around 12 or 13. The second of which they lost in seven games, they were 24th in half-court offense. The most recent poor half-court offense, poor we've seen, they have LeBron James go with the finals, was the Lakers in 2020 when they ranked 16th. Obviously, that team had more than enough defensively. They come denominator in all those teams is defensively, they're on one, and they had a superstar. And LeBron James, facts. Well, the Pistons, yeah, you were gonna say something? superstar, but they were just one of the most well-built teams we've seen. Recently. But that's one of the best defensive teams we've seen in NBA history. That's not the Memphis yep. Grizzlies. Yeah, I was going to say no. that. They're you know, John, a lot, of, a lot of those stats you just rattled off to me basically made me very confident that the Grizzlies are not making the finals. <laughs> the Grizzlies aren't making the finals. They're not. Yeah. But that can be respectful. <laughs> that can be respectful. The Grizzlies are still – listen, I have the Grizzlies in my personal top five. They sleep they're in good, I'm with you. They're a solid team. They are a really good team. Defensively, they're one of the best defenses in the West. You could say that your concern is offense for sure, but one thing that I do give credit to is when Je- when Ja went down, they needed someone to step up, and that was Jaron Jackson. Jaron Jackson Jones. has done – of course, but I'm saying in terms of who, who needed to take a true jump in the offense, who needed to really assert themselves – Tyus Jones, absolutely one of the most underrated basketball players in the association. I'm with you, Riv. But Jaron Jackson, when you and I talk about the Grizzlies, Riv, who's their number two scoring option? We always say it's Desmond Bain. You have John Morant, you have Desmond Bain. And I was looking for Desmond to really assert himself to be that number one. When in reality, it was Jaron Jackson. And with John missing time, now Jaron has this confidence where now it's not just the two-headed, you know, two-headed dragon of, John Morant, Desmond Banch were on the offensive side. Now you have to start catering to, to Jaron Jackson and understand, hey, this guy's a threat. And now Jaron's confident in his mind, hey, I'm not someone that can just sit in the corner, wait for my shot, wait for John Morant to kick it out to me. I'm not just this regular regular post player. I'm not just this guy that's going to be big down low. No, I actually can do something and contribute to the offense on this team. So you have one of the best defenses. And now with Jaron Jackson in the mix, you have three guys that could score the ball at a high level. I definitely am not going to sleep on the Memphis Grizzlies. I don't. I, I don't know. I I think John Moran can score the ball at a high level in of a course. playoff series consistently. I don't trust Desmond Bain enough for Jaron Jackson enough to say they're a respect, high level playoff scorer. Desmond Bain to, to, say, call them, to call them high so, level playoff scorers. I just don't think that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I said that they're high level scorers. Yeah, well, but Jared, Jared, this is, we're talking Jared about the playoffs. Is a high level score. Well, Jaron Jackson, John Morant's app, when John Morant's absence, high level had show flashes. Correct. I guess if we want to do semantics, yeah. he showed to be that he could be a very solid scoring option for them, no doubt about it. Averaging I just think over he's 20 all right. in every single game. Um, 
Jaron Jackson's all right. He's shown to be all right. So I can understand he's all right. I, I don't disagree. Elite. I'll say yeah. this again with John Morant gone, Jaron stepped up to the plate. So and I know I understand what you're saying. Drew, what's your list again? Yeah, so I don't hear it. I, I gave my list. So these are my five teams. I don't have them ranked because you understand where I'm gonna go. So I don't I'm gonna take bias aside. So right. of my five teams, I have the Nuggets, I have a healthy Suns. They need Kevin Durant to be a contender. Without Kevin Durant, this is not a contender to me. But, of course, with Kevin Durant, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that's definitely a contender. I have the Golden State Warriors out of respect uh, for the fact that Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, that trio, so long as they're together in the playoffs, they can make anything happen. The missing piece is Andrew Wiggins. That's another, that's another reason why I'm not higher on them without Wiggins. This isn't a team that I definitely see or am as confident as being a true contender, but I'm going to respect Steph Curry because he's earned that right. And I'm going to respect the, the, the counterparts of Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, of course. Number four, I was torn on this one because, again, I just said that I have the Grizzlies in my, my five and. I'm going to be honest. I lied to you guys. I apologize for that because you can't discredit the king. Why the hell did you just want his Grizzlies to Because I needed to show respect to the Grizzlies and understand that this West is still very good. And I would not be surprised in a first-round matchup to see the Nugget, to, to see the Memphis Grizzlies move on to the next round. They're a solid oh. team, and they can beat one of these two, whether it's the Timberwolves, because I can promise you the Lakers, they're not going to be that playing team. We're going to lock that top six. Uh, we're very grateful that the Clippers lost last night. Uh, it could be either the Timberwolves, potentially maybe the Pelicans. Who knows what happens there? But, hey, if the Clippers keep losing, the Clippers and the Grizzlies series, I feel a little bit more confident in the Grizzlies. They're a little bit more consistent. Of course, credit to Kawhi. I think that the Grizzlies are the more consistent team. So, number four, I do have the Sacramento Kings. Just too great of an offense. Just been too historic this season. I believe that this team can translate their offense to the playoffs. What does concern me is that defense. The defense is really, really bad. But when you have such a high-point offense, it could it could cancel out a really bad defense. And come home court advantage, Sacramento Kings have one of the best fan bases. And, of course, number five, Los Angeles Lakers. You knew I was going to say the Lakers. LeBron James has not been his true self since coming back, starting still getting acquainted to things. But Anthony Davis has been absolutely unbelievable since – the trade deadline, we still have the best defense in the association. Vanderbilt has been sensational for are we th- are we two now? Third. Oh, so it's the Bucks, the Hornets, and us. Wait, the Hornets are top three? The Hornets were very high at one point because Mark Williams has been unbelievable. You let me know. I thought last I, I checked we were number one. It's Mark I'm Williams. Also correction. Dennis Smith Jr. His defense Facts. is ridiculous. Facts. Yeah. Also, so they've been top three though, yeah. But when AD, LeBron, and D'Angelo Russell are on the court, which has been limited, of course, we are undefeated. We do have the highest offensive rating, the highest defensive rating, the highest net rating. It's a small sample size, but it's to show you how dominant these three are together. D'Angelo Russell has been one of the prized possessions of the trade deadline, has been one of the most efficient players for the Lakers, shooting over 40% from being, since being acquired. Vanderbilt has been a difference maker for the defensive culture that we want to bring to the court. People like to shit on Dennis Schroeder. I don't see it. I see what all he brings us is energy on both the offensive and the defensive side. Rui Hachimura last game against the Timberwolves did a great job in that second half of limiting Carl Anthony Towns. Something that people knocked him for was his defense. For me, all I've seen is the heart that he gives on the defensive side of the ball. He's done a great job for us. Of course, we've seen his minutes fluctuate because we just have such an on 
onslaught of talent since the trade deadline, a beautiful luxury <laughs> that I never thought that we'd awesome. have, to be honest with you. And the one thing really that we do lack like is, is – yeah, that's that's a guy that he's too hot and cold for my liking. When he's on, he's on. Shout out to him. But when he's off, it's really hard to, to put him in the lineup. Troy Brown, that's another guy who's been a great role player for us. What we lack is size. Mo Bamba, I, I, I hate even having to do, do this because I hate when people say, hey, Mo Bamba's coming back. That's That's our answer. That is our answer, but it's unfortunate that that has to be our answer. We do lack size when the three biggest guys in the court are LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and a, a Ruri Hachimura or a, a, J, a, a Vanderbilt. That That's an issue for me. We do need another big man. But outside of that, our defense is phenomenal. And when you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, scoring should not be an issue. And the way that D'Angelo Russell has been playing basketball – we should be set. And I didn't even mention my boy Austin Reeves because I know you guys are tired. Oh of my God! Rivers, Rivers, flabbergasted. <laughs> okay, Yo, he, just whole, he just went on a whole spiel about the so, Lakers, so, man. I'm tired of hearing this. It's your first time well, on the it's show. A, Come a, on, it's a contenders. It, we're talking about contenders, right? So of course I'm going to explain it was, it was why like I have 20 seconds. Sounds 20 second Nuggets. Oh, 20 20 second second you want to throw me airtime? Ask a Lakers fan about the Lakers. My God, bro, that was crazy. Hey, you know it, it's not only that, Drew. It's the fact that you went on this whole spiel hyping up Jaren Jackson Jr. and Desmond, not to even have them in your top five. Then you, went on talk, then, you went on, then you went on to talk about the Lakers for 20 minutes, and they're fifth. <laughs> they're not even. A, they're not even one. Whoa, I don't have them fifth. I said this is not a. This is not a in order because I'm trying to remove uh, it was last bias. but not least type of these are these okay. are exact. That's why I saved my Lakers for last because you knew you knew you know, that I was going to talk about I, them the most. I like to go in order and not do this little. This that's this a little, lie. Come that's on, a lie. What are you you hate going in order. You're, you're, you're Mister. Give, you're Mister. Give you're people an order. That's for last. So look, I'm this Mr. is I'm I'm a, last in this moment. I'm going to attempt to put a lasso on this wild wild west right here, and I'm gonna just say this. The Clippers, the Lakers, they're not in my top five. They yeah, are not. Watch. The you Clippers, watch. I injuries, and you know, I just don't trust the Clippers. I'm out on them. Russell Westbrook. The Lakers, yeah. Right. Russell Westbrook problem. The Lakers, this is my issue with them. If this is any other team, we're talking about D'Lo not performing in the playoffs. We're talking about Malik Beasley's variance being a problem. We're talking about Jared Vanderbilt not being a playoff liability, which he probably will be. Oh, now you're going to change sides on, on the Vandalorian. Vando okay. last year in, in the Grizzly series. That guy's was, a winner. That guy's a winner. He is a winner. He is a winner. He is a winner. Now he's a playoff liability. He is a winner, but his lack of spacing is definitely a problem in the playoffs. And we're, hey, we're he's been knocking down recently. Last couple games. Yeah, I, I ain't going to trust that. I know who Vando is, and he's an exceptional player in his role. But in the playoffs, players like him get played off the court because they provide no spacing. And LeBron, at this stage in his career, provides no spacing. AD provides no what spacing. Are you talking about? The lineups that you guys are going to run out in the playoffs have no spacing. Even with this oh. winning streak the Lakers have been on, they are still one of the one of the worst half-court offenses in basketball, and that matters in the playoffs. And in this win streak, they've been average. So I'm, I'm out on them. And you know what? A team that's my wild card that's not in my top five, but listen, they're they're hot. They're getting healthy the at the right times. Is the Pelicans. They were the number one seed before Zion went down. And Zion, if he's healthy and he's back, listen, I think they are more of a threat than the Lakers and the Clippers. I How do. predictable is this guy, guys? How predictable? How predictable? I think is they are. are. You really gonna? You can't. You the can't shut the Lakers for all these the questions and just yeah. assume Zion's gonna come. The back Pelicans are my wild card, though. They're my wild card. They shouldn't. It's just such a shock. I mean, it's be funny because he hasn't said a word 
about no. the Pelicans. But then he no, made no. that tweet. And once he made that tweet, I knew. You could read I, this I, I fucking guy like a you wanna, book. You like want to know why, why Riff? You want to you know why Riff? Because I locked myself in a film room and I was watching that film. <laughs> you were cooking B.I. like I, a week before that. And I was watching First that. The Rocket? Yeah, I'm talking about Zion coming back. If B.I. is the leader of this team, I know they're not going anywhere. But with Zion Williamson, oh, yeah, you best believe they got a high ceiling with Zion. Wait, so let me, let me, let me Drew, just, Drew hold I, up. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of distraught. Drew. You, we were just talking about with Riv in the beginning of the season that the Pelicans could be a finals contender. Now that they're getting healthy, if Zion comes back, oh, you're out on them. They, they have no chance. You got to figure yeah, shit out quick. I knew that once you asked that question, I wasn't going to get a word, and so I decided to sit back. But I can answer very quickly. I believe in this Pelicans team if Zion had been ready to go all along. Zion getting ready to come back a couple days before the playoffs start it's a concern to me. Yeah, yes, do I believe? Do I believe? Oh, oh, that's that's Fine. exactly it. You're asking for a lot from Zion, which hey, I believe in. I believe once if Zion's on the court, he's ready to go. He's a big Zion's boy. Going, he can handle it. He's going to. He's going to play great in my in my opinion. However, it's a lot to ask him to ramp up that quickly, keep all that energy for the team to completely adjust to it. And you said it too. When it comes to Zion and Bi, they really haven't shared that much court time. In the last two seasons, almost at all. Last season, of course, Zion missed the entire season, and this year, it seems like they took turns of who's going to miss time. So that's that's another concern to me. The way that Brandon Ingram has dominated this offense has been amazing these last nine games. Then Zion comes back. Then it's going to be hard to integrate the both of them together. Yes, I believe I'm with you, Joel. I believe that this team is extremely talented. If and when Zion comes back to the court and is healthy, but it's too late. It's too late in the season to really put all your chips into their basket. With, with every team right now that we're talking about in this wild card status and teams that some of you guys have in your top five, they have these similar issues. With the Lakers, I don't think LeBron's foot is 100%. I think that he, it still looks like he's a bit hobbled with from it. And that's but he's gonna, back and has yeah, games to still gonna, get back. But that's something that's going to linger on. He has like a week to get back. With, all, with, with the Clippers in the first round, if yeah, Paul George comes back, you know, Every one of these teams that have these high ceilings have these issues. And that's why my top five is made up of teams that have continuity outside of the Suns. Number five, I have the Warriors because the Warriors, when healthy, listen, are the champions. They have to be knocked off. I have to see it. I think that they deserve the respect over the Lakers, Clippers, and all these other teams in this list. Number four, I have the Memphis Grizzlies. I think although I've disrespected them, I know. They have the best continuity of any Western Conference team outside of the Denver Nuggets. And that's the debatable. John Morant missing time, man. But they have, but that's they like are proven, games. they've proven yeah. year after year that they are they just keep progressing. So I can see I can see them maybe reaching the next level. I know I'm harsh on them and I don't I'm not predicting them to do it, but I can see a scenario where things do click for them. Number three, I have the Sacramento Kings. I think this is a special season. And I know that everybody's talking about them losing in the first round. And I can't wait until they make it out the first round and people eat their shit. Because I think the Kings are having a special season. They play defense when they need to. Mike Brown is a defensive coach. And I, I trust him to structure a game plan around a certain team's strengths in the playoffs to limit their offense, I do. Maybe it's not going to be the best defensive performance ever, but I think they'll be good enough for their offense to overcome that challenge. Number two is the Denver Nuggets. I think that they, they have the most continuity in the NBA in the Western Conference, and if it wasn't for Katie joining the Suns, 
they'd be my finals pick. But Kevin Durant with the Suns, the matchup versus the versus the Nuggets, the drop coverage they're gonna have Jokic in. I just feel like D Book and Katie would eat that alive, and that's why I have the Suns number one. But the Suns worry me too because Chris Paul is fucking washed. Like Chris He's Paul, Chris Paul is done. Like, and you can have some vintage performances from him every so often, but counting on him. I mean, my goodness, it's just I just don't know if I can count on him two rounds into the playoffs in the conference finals to just have that year. You, you can see that his legs have slowed down. He's not the same player. And that's why getting KD was so crucial, because if it was not for KD, then this team would, would be probably like teetering between pretender. But I, I just think Chris Paul is not the same player no more. And I think that in the playoffs, we might see a lot of lineups of like, KD, Booker, Okogi, maybe Craig and Aiton. You know, I think they might experience with Chris Paul being on the bench and Okogi as a ball handler. They've done it sometimes this season. Or D Book as the as yeah, a ball yeah, as like an initiator. Yeah, kind of I, I just think that Chris Paul, he's just not the same man. And I think that it all goes back to last year's playoffs versus the Mavericks. As soon as he turned thirty six, he just fucking fell off a cliff. I don't know. I'll say, I'll say this. Uh, I still believe that, yes, I'm not going to say Chris Paul is the same player. No way. I mean, you have to be blind to, to say that. However, uh, I do believe that his job is still simplified. He needs to just initiate this offense, be a playmaker. The defense may be an issue because he's not the same physically as he once was, but in terms of initiating this offense, he's still he's still capable of doing so. He's still able of getting D-Book and KD into their spots. And for the occasional bucket, we're not asking this guy to be the the, the once 20-point-per-game scorer that he once was. No. If he gives you a solid 6 to 10 points but consistently is averaging 9 to 11 assists, which I believe that he will do so, then that's fine. Especially he, he understands his role within this offense. I feel like that's why he won't be as much of a liability as it's sounding, at least to me, how you are, are saying with Chris Paul, but – he has an easy job. And when, when OG was on the show, he said it perfectly. He has the easiest job of any player in the NBA because his job is to set up Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. My big concern with Chris Paul is just like – so. it seems lately his three-point shot has been very streaky. And when you kind of think about like deep in the playoffs, I would not be surprised to see him be a guy that teams are like testing, doubling Book and Kevin Durant off of. And, I mean, obviously letting him get to that mid-range spot that he loves so much, that's going to be a disaster. But if you can keep him on the three-point line and force him to shoot the shots, I, I wouldn't say, like, you're clamping the Suns by any means. But I would say, like, if I was a, like, coach, I feel like that's the defensive uh, approach a lot of people are going to take. And I don't know. Like, Chris Paul can average 10-10, no problem. I think he could do that. But, like, I think when you put him into that position where he needs to, like, either shoot or attack the rim, I don't know if he's going to be able to, like, he's going to be capable of doing that. Basically, with the Suns, you're going to need Booker or KD to be on the floor at all times. Oh, yeah. No question. And that's my concern. And the Suns also are going to have to play. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I know I have a couple friends who are Suns fans, and they're a bit worried going through round one, probably the Clippers. Round two, Denver. And I was talking to them like, I feel pretty confident in the Suns. They're, if I had to rank them, number one would be the Suns with Kevin Durant. But I know Suns fans don't feel, I feel like, as confident as outsiders do. And them kind of, you know, not comfortably winning the West, but maybe more comfortable than we think that, that they will be. But I do have the Suns at one with Kevin Durant. I have the Nuggets at two. 
Um, like you guys all mentioned, they feel like the, that kind of tier above the rest of the guys. I do have the Kings at three. Um, and this goes back to the conversation we had maybe about a month ago when we were debating the Kings versus the Mavericks, saying that offensively, I know they have Luka and they have Kyrie. They have the better shot makers. But collectively, as an offense, I trust the Kings more. And we brought up Mike Brown, too, like Joel just mentioned. I trust him to bring up to have at least one more stop than whatever most likely bad defense they'll be playing in the West um, since there's really only a couple teams that play defense. At four, I have the Warriors, again, with Andrew Wiggins back. If Wiggins isn't in the fold, I have a hard time seeing this team coming out of the West or really making a deep playoff run. The road struggles, nine road wins, and we're in April. I know you could say you just need to get one, but you've been struggling to get one damn near all season long. You can feel good about the two road wins you had a couple of weeks ago, but to you know, just all of a sudden flip the switch in the playoffs when you haven't been able to for the last like six, seven months of the season since October – I don't know if you could just flip that switch no matter how great and whatever dynasty you have going on. And at five, I have the Lakers. I know there's a bunch of hate going around, but you look at the West, there's not a single team in the West that doesn't have a question mark, right? Even if you want to talk about the Nuggets, what is that going to look like when you have Jokic in pick and roll defense? If you have the Suns, is Kevin Durant going to stay healthy? Is Chris Paul completely watched that he's going to hold them down? The Kings defensively. So even when you talk about the teams that I think are better than the Lakers, it's not like they're just perfect teams like the Celtics or Bucks in the East where you don't really see as many holes. The Lakers have one of the top defenses since the All-Star break. Um, you have two bona fide superstars in AD and LeBron James. If they're healthy, I mean, the upside for this team is a deep playoff front. And th they definitely have their question marks. I know there, there's some players who, like you mentioned, Vando could, could limit your offense. Malik Beasley could be streaky. D'Lo historically hasn't been the best playoff performer. But I think AD and LeBron can cover a lot of mistakes that some of these other teams on this list don't really have that luxury of covering. I would have the Grizzlies as an honorable mention. Um, defensively, they're great. I just, it feels like their ceiling isn't as high as these other teams. I don't think they have what it takes to get to the finals. I feel like they still need another guy who could create their own shot. Um, but I feel like floor-wise, I feel pretty comfortable about them getting out of the first round. There's a chance they could go up against maybe the Lakers in the first round, and I could feel differently about that. But their floor feels pretty safe with how well they play defensively. Jaron Jackson being uh, you know, one of the best defenders in the league, and you have obviously a tremendous offensive player in John Morant with good pieces like Desmond Bain and those guys. Um, it, but still, one of their biggest issues that has been all season long has been their free throws. They are one of the worst free throw shooting team in the league. Steven Adams, who's been injured, is one of the worst free throw shooters in terms of starters in the league, too. So even with him back, like, is he still going to be closing these lineups? Um, but that would be my five. Suns, Nuggets, Kings, Warriors with Wiggins, and the Lakers. My only pushback, like, for, with Joel, I, like, all, all jokes aside, you know, the trolling and stuff. The Pelicans, I think, is a good pick. The only thing is... Like I said before, you're asking Zion to do a lot. You know, you're asking him to come back pretty much a week or two before the season. And we don't know if they'll be in the plane or not. They could be, they could not be. And prepare for a type of basketball he's never been prepared for. Pretty much gear up for playoff basketball, something he's never been. He hasn't played in a long time. So it's like, that's a lot to ask of Zion. And the roster with the Pelicans, you know, it's all right. You know, I don't think it's that good as what we imagined it would be. You know, I Herb Jones. In, I don't believe in CJ McCollum. Yeah, yeah CJ has ever since his hand injury, he hasn't been able to hit shots consistently. You know, it's been up and down and consistency there. Defensively, he's not good. Herb is great defensively, but if he's not hitting threes, it's hard to play him. You know, Trey Murphy, he's good, but his self-creation still needs work. 
JB, you can play him off the floor pretty easily, and they don't have really consistent backup bigs outside of Larry Nance. You know, Jackson Hayes, I want to see a little bit more, but playoff time is pretty much over for that. So the Pels are, are tricky. With the Kings, for them, it's like – it's as simple as like who do they have to stop somebody in the fourth quarter down the stretch? Like they have one – they have De'Aaron Fox, who's been the best fourth quarter player in the league. Trey Lyles. I think you throw Davion Mitchell out there. He can lock you, you up can, a little bit. You can, like – Offensively, offensively, he's some, tough. Some teams – Some Kessler Edwards minutes. Yeah, Kessler's good, but like like for Fox, I'm not saying he's easy to stop either, but some teams have somebody that can, you know – make him work with the Kings. If they play the Lakers, they don't have anything for LeBron and AD down the stretch. To Zero make rim protection. Not, yeah, not like a single none. So like it's that for them, it's just about in the fourth they're scoring. If they slack there, who are they going to stop? You know, a lot. And it's, it's tough. Those two teams are tricky though, for me. Those, and they're like, also those a finesse are... team. Like how, how do we trust the Kings when it becomes physical basketball and you don't have the luxury of just, you know, uh, the whistle they could get all the time or relying on three point shot as much. So I don't think they're a finesse team. I think they're a physical team. I think Sabonis I is a very physical Sabonis leads league in rebounding. Beyond yeah. that, that's true. But Lakers, if the, the Lakers play the, the Kings in the first round, that officiating order. will be generous. No, they're finesse. Don't sleep on Kevin Herter. Like, Kevin Herter. Sabonis is, but Kevin Herter, Fox, Keegan, Kevin Herter, Keegan Murray. Oh, boy. They're mostly finesse guys. Yeah. Yeah. So helps him go left so much. He's on the team. Now he can steal so. Well. No, he's he's gritty for sure. But the rest of the guys, not as much. Now oh, I, I think I do think that the, the wings are gonna have to be Keegan Sabonis Murray and drop coverage. To play defense. Yeah, listen, yeah. the Kings' offense—they're historically great offense, and I think in the playoffs, offense matters a lot. And I think they'll they'll get they'll get by. But this is like what matters is, more in the playoff time, Griffin. I'm sorry to cut you off, King. What matters more in the playoff time? Offense or matters more in my offense, opinion. but like they're a historically great offense that's never seen the playoffs. So it's like I a, think yeah, offense, offense, but offense their defense matters is so more. bad. Yeah, it, offense matters more. And I know people are going to use the stat about you know teams that have won championships have a top ten defense. Yeah, but they also have a top ten offense. The only team that has been an average offensive team that's won a championship in, in recent Cleveland, history right? has been the Bucks. Cleveland. Has been the Bucks. Uh, Cleveland, was, Cleveland was bad, was bad defensively. Defense. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, our defense wasn't great. Was so the Bucks, the Bucks offense was you know not a great half court offense, and they still managed to win a championship. Yeah. But historically speaking, like you have to have a great offensive team to to win a championship. And your your defense has to be top ten. It doesn't have to be as great. It can't be shit. But though. it's bad. Yeah. It's bad. Like, yeah, but we're not talking about the Kings. Off. We're not talking about the Kings making the finals. We're talking. I'll about be honest. Nobody outside of the Kings Grizzlies, making out the outside of the Grizzlies. Out, out nobody the in the West has a elite defense. Lakers. The Grizzlies and the Lakers. The Lakers. Could play I'd say the Lakers, Lakers are, don't have a, for me. The Lakers don't have enough games to say that they're. But this is the thing, Riv, and this is this is my thing. The Lakers may have an elite defense recently, right? Hmm. Their half court offense still is average, yeah, below average, and their hmm. transition offense is still average to below average. No, our transition offense is one of our best attributes, in my opinion. Where does it rank this season? Honestly, <laughs> to ranking to me, I'll be completely transparent. It doesn't matter to me because when I watch our so the stats, our no, best, the facts don't matter. Trans- well, again, I'm telling you, we're not a bad transition. The Grizzlies, team, the Grizzlies are they're they're great. A, the like are top great three transition. transition team yeah. in the NFL. I mean, no, in no, the NBA. I, my bad. In the NBA, okay. and that's that's why for me, I'm like, okay, at least a facet of the Grizzlies' offense is great. Off, um, is great. 
where the the Lakers, it doesn't seem like there's a clear cut thing offensively that is great about them. Well, well, what's been great with us is the fact that our pick and roll is so strong. Of course, now that LeBron's back, the pick and roll is even dirtier now with Anthony Davis. We saw last game against the Timberwolves, the pick and roll between D'Lo and Anthony Davis, where D'Lo got to a point where it was, all right, I'm just giving the ball to Anthony Davis. But even still, D'Lo was able to get himself 10 assists himself. And now with the three-point shooting that we have on this squad, yes, maybe the statistics show that we're not this great three-point shooting team, but we've seen it since the deadline. D'Lo can knock down a shot. Reeves, of course, can knock down a shot. LeBron James is by no means a great three-point shooter by any means, but of course, he can still knock down a three when you need him to. Dennis Schroeder's an okay three-point shooter. Troy Brown, Malik Beasley, they're too streaky for my liking, but still, when they're on, we're just a a really solid three-point unit. And in terms of our transition offense, Reeves is is really good in transition. Schroeder's really good in transition. Of course, we don't have to mention LeBron being great in transition himself. We have guys that get out and run, and I watch it with my eyes, honestly. That's why I tell you. You can tell me that we're not a great transition offense, but I've watched it. We are at our best when we are in transition. Off live rebound. I, under, I understand. I, I understand that. Like, okay, you're you're giving me moments. You're giving me mon- moments of things that you've seen. But overall, well, now that we're healthy, when LeBron back, with I understand. But you're you're giving me moments. Like overall, those moments that you saw that you've seen that equate to them being like this great team offensively, the stats don't back that up. Since February, which is you know since they have this new look team. <laughs> They're 13th in, in transition offense. They haven't been healthy, though. Which is still healthy. average. And then when we talk about 13th half court, is LeBron makes LeBron that a lot better. Yeah, LeBron, if we, you're 13th out, LeBron, I feel pretty okay with that. Then when we talk about half-court offense, you guys rank 23rd. So it's not – the Grizzlies have an elite component offensively, which is their transition offense. The Lakers don't have any component that is truly elite. I think I'm telling you – but they Better. haven't been healthy though. So I think nice. those numbers are kind of skewed because they, they're starting their their full team after the deadline has played like five, six games, maybe. So those numbers are like fluctuated up and down. You can say, but you can say that for the Grizzlies too. Yeah, I agree. I think the Grizzlies also, but the Grizzlies, we know, even if Ja goes out by committee, they can still do the same exact things. With the Lakers, it's kind of like they brought in a new team, they didn't get to play with the new team, so they don't really still know what they are offensively. I would say going, the Lockers are top seven in transition this season, also. The who? Since February. <laughs> the, since, who? Since, the Lakers. Oh, I think you said the Rockets. Lockers. The Lakers are <laughs> no, oh, no, no, no. third off live rebounds and seventh in frequency per clean the glass, which oh. is pretty good. Since I was February, say, like, they're, they're 13th, which is the new look. So Lakers. since February, with LeBron James only playing three of those games, with their new players. But again, with LeBron James LeBron. only playing three games. Are we acting like Russell Westbrook does not help transition offense? A lot. Okay. He helps a yeah, lot. He does, but it's LeBron James. Yeah, but you know, he's like not LeBron on James the team anymore. I, I am using a, I'm using their offense with your players with LeBron now. James only playing three of those games. Okay, but still, uh, that's a, I think that's we're a far better. So, so that's we a dropped, far what, better sample. Six that's spots? A, I feel like that's a far better metric to use your team now versus the entire season when Westbrook was there for half the year. At least when it comes again, to transition offense. Again, with LeBron James playing, I feel a lot more comfortable with us. I see us, again, in these last couple of games, you're saying moments. I'm letting it be known that we have been very solid in transition essentially all season. You're right. Russell Westbrook definitely does help that. He was talking about but, pick and roll. That's half-court offense. You guys have been mid. No, but, now, but now LeBron James is back. Anthony Davis has been phenomenal in his own right. 
D'Angelo Russell now gets added to that mix. D'Angelo Russell has been doing very a very fine job in his own right. Now the LeBron's back. Now you can really start to evaluate us to in, a, in a segment. way that yeah. Oh, because we're talking about <laughs> contenders, and that's what the Lakers are. My bad, my yeah. bad. Zach, you wanted to mention something. Well, I was just gonna say, like off vibes, I believe in the Lakers in transition. Oh, vibes, like, oh, like whatever, whatever I, I, the yo, stats yo, say. Yo, Jack, you're my guy for life because <laughs> that statement alone. Yeah, no, fire. like, I mean, and what they're saying, 13th without LeBron, I believe it. LeBron, I mean, in transition, he's nasty, and I really don't like to support the Lakers that much. They got not at all. I hate it. Clearly, I mean, but. I'm the yeah. only one that supports him on this podcast, Jack. You're doing a good like job. Food. We've been talking I about him for that. 15 minutes. Yeah, right. Lake show. Because so, the oh, Lakers need representation and, and not enough love. Oh, they Lakers don't get enough fans, representation. Lakers Lakers fans, so fans, not on be so serious. We talk about it on this podcast. Not on this podcast. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live. Because you shouldn't have to change teams, even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Contender tiers in the East. This is my five. Let me know if this is your guys' five. I have one the Bucks, two the Celtics, three the Sixers, four the Cavs, and five the Knicks. Basically, that's it. The, the seating that it. it's one through five. I'm surprised you didn't Team put Jimmy Philly over us. Five. Listen, oh. I think Philly can beat you guys in the playoff series. No, they can't be so serious. Listen, it, if everything clicks, keep praying. Keep if praying. James cool. Harden finally goes on a historic playoff run. Finally. And, that yeah. rivals the likes of Dirk Nowitzki and Dwayne Wade. You know, every <laughs> all every all time great has something. You're hallucinating. That's not happening. <laughs> um, if James Harden can do it, man, or Joel Embiid, you know, who knows? I believe in Embiid in the playoffs. Uh, my big concern with Philly is like, I think when you get into the playoffs, especially deep, deeper than they have been, uh, you're gonna have to start. Uh, hitting tough shots where like the, the spots where you create contact and like get to the line, turn into spots where you have to hit tough shots. And Joel Embiid is a tough shot maker. No question. And I think James Harden is too. But like, my question is just like mentally going from trying to get to the line into trying to make those shots. Is that going to be like a seamless transition or is that going to be Rocky? Because if it's Rocky, then, I could see that offense kind of plateauing a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'll give my top five next. I got Celtics at one, pretty obvious. Number two, below the Celtics, are the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, the team that has lost by 40 points and 20 points to the Celtics this season. Three, Philly. Then there's a bit of a gap. You have the Cavs at four um, and the Knicks five. The Knicks are a feisty yeah, team. The Cavs baby. are too. I just have a hard time believing they could get past the Bucks or Celtics in the seven-game series. We went out to dinner this past weekend, um, and Alvaro, who's a huge Knicks fan, we were sitting next to each other, and he was telling me how the Knicks could be anybody in the East. I said, oh, you think you could go to the finals? He said, yes, we could go to the finals. So I don't know if that's what most Knicks fans think or it's just no. Alvaro being a delusional Knicks fan, but I know there's, uh, you know there's some love out there for the Knicks. But the East seems a lot more clear. It's going to be a Celtics-Bucks ECF. The Bucks likely will have the one seed, so they'll have home court advantage. But if sure. the regular season tells us anything, what the postseason is going to be, the Celtics might not need seven games. They might get it done before that. Um, Philly is going to be a tough team in the second round. 
But if they go up against Boston, who has had their number year after year after year, Celtics probably get that done six. Cavs-Knicks, that's going to be probably the most exciting first-round matchup we have. They just handled them on Friday night. Knicks won by double digits. And Brunson um, really outplayed was in, Mitchell. Control that, that whole game. Um, I I don't know who I'm going to pick in that series, but the East is a lot more clear to me than the West. Oh, yeah, no question. The East, I have the same top five as you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hate counting Jimmy Butler out with the Heat. I mean, uh, like, they stink a little bit this year. At times, they do not look very good, but – I don't know. Something happens in the playoffs. I can see the Heat maybe making it tough for a first-round team. But, yeah, Boston they Bucks. They probably play the Celtics round one. Was there a yeah. thought about putting the Heat over the Knicks at the five spot? No. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, I hesitated. No. I hesitated because no. if Julius Randle stinks again, then the Heat could be a better first-round Let him know. What do you shoot against Atlanta? What do you shoot against John, Atlanta? They're like yeah. the 26 ranked offense in the league. John, relax, relax, because I understand what is Jimmy that this, on the bus? This, he clears. I just said, did I not just say relax? Eric Spolstra clears Tom Thibodeau. Like, but John, I just said relax. The, offense is so the Heat ass. don't have a point Especially guard. against the Celtics. They can't score points. Like, Dells, <laughs> you don't want that smoke. You do not want to go Jimmy Butler. You saw it last year. We win in five. I'll give, I'll give JB a game. Like they're going to oh. send you home, and they would have went to the finals for the second time. Just like we didn't want the smoke against Brooklyn last year. The Lakers, you know the deal. <laughs> and you so, know, the deep team, I think not having a point guard really does stink. But if you have Tyler Hero at point guard with Jimmy Butler and Bam, that three with Sounds Eric like shit. Ultra, I trust a lot more than Tom Thibodeau, who's got a shit playoff record. Same with Julius mm-hmm. Randle and Jalen mm-hmm. Brunson, who I love, but I just don't trust Julius Randle. What about and I, Josh I see it. I want to trust Julius Randle. If he's, I'll be back on the train <laughs> if he is good in the playoffs. I like his game. He's fun to watch, but Atlanta hurt me. I mean, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, this ankle no. injury is going to take him up yeah, right until probably the first game. He's supposed yeah. to be out two weeks. Yeah. And Miami's offense is playing well as of late. It's actually been their defense that has Young, really stopped over last month. <laughs> but stop. we have like a six Young. month. Do some research, Riff. No. I'm going to be honest. I, I believe in, a, in Brooklyn Bridges before I believe in the Heat. Uh, that's also cap. But John, stop. <laughs> Enough. Mikel no, and Johnson. really stinky as of late. Nah, the heat, the heat, I trust the Heat to not get swept. And make it up. They'll get a game. They'll get they a game. Want to play them. Don't don't sleep on Dinwiddie. They're not the Nets of last year. You know they. Dinwiddie. has Dinwiddie. been averaging nine assists since he's been in Brooklyn. What's his field goal? What's his field goal percentage? What's his field goal percentage in Brooklyn? It's let me let me search it up. Fans right have been complaining about Dinwiddie getting the ball and playing for them. I yeah, know. I, I don't know why because he's he literally he's averaging eight and a half assists. He's shooting forty one percent from the field and thirty percent from three. That's fucking crap. It's crap. <laughs> Like it's it's Dinwiddie numbers, but he's averaging eight and a half assists per game. I feels worse than Dinwiddie numbers. Like I feel like he's usually better than that. I feel like Dinwiddie. Yeah, he's, 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 he's back to prime wizard Spencer Dinwiddie. Nah, I'll no, be no, honest. I'll no. be honest. Wizards Joel, is different. Bad. Well, Joel, I'll be honest. I watched Dinwiddie play like live and shit, and I understand the nine assists. I don't know how I feel about it though, because his sometimes in the fourth quarter he takes shots <laughs> away from Bridges. Yeah. He tries to go hero ball, and it's kind of laughable. Um, Listen, you got to admire the confidence. Yeah, you know, you know, it is what it is. Um, you guys are fucking hilarious. I'll be honest. There isn't five contenders in the East. The fact that I even could name five was crazy to me. I have, three and a, I have three and a half. Three and a half? Yeah, I have three and a half. Two and a half, actually. It's not the Cavaliers? Half. The Cavaliers? The Cavs are the half. The Cavs, oh, are, the Cavs, are, def- the Cavs are definitely the half. Yeah, the, Ca- the Cavs are the yeah. half. I'll be honest. Are the I Cavs being the Knicks in the first round? Yeah, I have the Cavs beating the Knicks in the first round. What are the odds that, like, I, I was talking to my cousin about this. We were walking to get some ramen, 
And I was telling him, listen, man, if we face the Cavs in the first round, it's, it is a bad matchup for Randall, given that Mobley probably would be his ma- matchup and assignment. And I was like, what are the odds that like Evan Mobley just has this breakout series against like Randall? Like he just fucking dominates defensively. He's averaging like 20 and 10. We and I'm just like, this and you just threw it away. Didn't nah, we not but, say I mean, that as, as a Knicks fan, Randall? as a Knicks fan, I, I expect moments like this because usually things like that happen. And I'm just like, damn it, man. Mobley, old, Mobley is really going to have his like, Mobley's going to have his like coming out party to the rest of the league potentially against the Knicks in the first round. Like I can definitely see that happening. So um, yeah. I got Boston, the Bucks, Philly's my third and Cleveland's my half. Who, who um, would you lean right now? Boston or Milwaukee? Oh, that ass woman, woman put pain in me. Milwaukee. I was watching that shit like. I'm going I, Milwaukee personally. You know what it is with Milwaukee? Um, That matchup specifically, I don't like the Bucks' wings against the Jays. I really don't. Like as much as you know, like as much as they're good, they're they like the Jays really like they they cannot guard to the, the rim. At will. Like it's it's a it's a mismatch with any wing that the Bucks have. It's a literal mismatch. Jay, Jay Crowder, Crowder, Chris Middleton, Crowder was getting cooked. Leslie Ingles was Matthews, getting cooked. Like oh no matter God. who you Joe want to throw on them, I feel bad thing. for Joe Ingles. Like, like really I feel bad that he has Joe to guard Ingles, Jason Tatum. Like if it's not Drew Holiday, I don't think you should be comfortable with any wing. Including Chris Middleton guarding the Jays. Yeah. But they have Giannis. You know, Rob Will, he did look great last game, but Al Horford, Rob, that front court is still skinny to me. It's still really small. So Giannis, it should hold, it should have his way. Um, it's, that one's tough. I don't know why I'd lean. I, I would say I'm probably 50 50 at the moment on both teams. You know, it can go either way. But I think those are the two clear cut teams. Yeah. Uh, Philly's the third team for me. I think that Philly can match up well against the Bucks. That's a series that they match up really, really well against the Bucks. Boston a little bit, but just Boston has owned Philly for so long, it's hard. But Philly, Boston's front court is skinny, and Bede could have a field day, a field series in that matchup. Yeah. You would like to see James Harden in that matchup. If Boston gets back to that defensive ways, though, that's a tough series for Philly. Oh, but um, Milwaukee, I think Maxi Harden could have a field day with those wings. I think they can really have an offensive explosion. And Philly could sneak. Cleveland, for me, is a half because outside of Donovan Mitchell, who do you trust? J.B. Bickerstaff, even. He's fresh. He's new in this situation as a playoff. They don't have a lot of wing depth. You don't trust Garland? Garland's fresh. You know, he's new. Yeah, you don't know what you're going to get out of him. You're right. Playoffs. And his last game against Atlanta was was stinky, so I get it. Oh this I is Bruce from the LaMelo Ball supporter. <laughs> All right, fair point. Fair point. Yeah, but um, I don't, I don't, I don't like. I don't see the Knicks as a contender. I think they're really good. I think they'll make any series tough. Yeah, I don't see them as a contender. Miami, no. Atlanta, hell no. Chicago, fuck no. You know the rest of those teams, no. Yeah, I agree with you. I think you you said it perfectly. And before we go on to the next segment, a quick word from Athletic Greens. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash pick aside. That's athleticgreens.com slash pick aside. And Drew, on your trip to Disney, have you taken some of these travel packs with you? So, unfortunately, I have not, which would have been a great idea, right? Duh, my traveling. Goodness. But, bro, I, on, I, bro. I, I, t- I told you how I like to have my – my AG1. I like to have my AG1 with my protein, with my my protein shakes, and I, I I'm not gonna carry a blender with me. 
but I'll tell you what, it's made a huge difference. My stomach is just not right. Without my AG1, there's no these. You know, I could have I could have definitely day. used AG1 given what it's done. It's done wonders for your stomach because the last couple of days I've been having a bubble guts. Nah, on everything, bro. My stomach is cooked, especially with the travel, bro. It just oh my god. It's I, I pulled and it. I should have I should have brought it and just mixed it with the water to champ it. Yesterday I drove two hours uh to, to my girlfriend's family's house and like an hour and thirty minutes in, I needed to go bad. I needed to go. Yeah. We were finding gas stations. I went to a. We stopped by a Walgreens first. Then you know we get out the car and I'm walking, and I go to the restroom. Yes, I'm like, oh my god, I can. You already know, like once your stomach starts bubbling and and the and the poop is like near your ass, like you know it's close. <laughs> I'm just walking and. I look at the bathroom door of Walgreens and it says this is out of order until like 630. And I'm like, fuck. I'm like, damn it. And I could already feel the shit coming out. I was like, fuck, bro. So we had to go find a nearby gas station. And, you know, I just let it all out. It was a close call, though. I'm talking about like once I'm taking my pants off, like it's already going down. You don't even touch the toilet. Cool. All right. All right. It's all right. Even touch That's one of those right, like out. right as you're squatting, it's just the absolute waterfall of shit coming out. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how it felt. I was like, was fuck, bro. Oh, we, need it, our, we, need, we need our AG1, man. We need to get regulated. Our bowels need that help, bro. That's I was why like we a, folded. A, a five seconds true. later, I would have been done for. Travel's tough, bro. That takes a toll on my stomach too, man. I hate that. <laughs> Next time I'm not eating anything before I travel because I, I fucked Facts. up because um I, I eat Jack in the Box. I ate I ate a chicken wrap with like ranch. You have the tacos? I, you see Jack nah, in the Box has tacos? Yeah, I didn't try it yet. I had the fucking wrap because I love snack wraps and you know McDonald's doesn't or um serve them anymore. Yeah, facts. But Jack in the Box has like a similar wrap, and I think the ranch fucked up my stomach. <laughs> Oh my god! And then he mutes his mic again. You're fucking cracking me up. I don't. I just JT I can't believe we skipped over the Celtics. Why? Which? How they're concerning in the playoffs? What's our concern, John? Talk to me. They take the second. They take the second most reasonably. Get forty-four percent, and their three-point variance in the playoffs is a pretty big concern in that Buck series. Because when the shots aren't falling and they're not clicking on all cylinders, and they got to get to the rim against Brooke Lopez and Giannis, that's probably a bigger concern, I would think, by the end of a seven-game series than Jay Crowder and on one of the Jays. What, what the Celtics have that makes it so difficult for the Bucks, and we saw it a couple nights ago, is that when we have Al at the five and we have our smart, white, Tatum, JB, Brooke Lopez can't just sit in the paint. He has to respect Al. For his three-point shot, he's shooting 45% from three this that's season. That's true. So it, it makes it – that's why it's even harder for these wings to guard the Jays because Brooke Lopez and Giannis, who have been saving them all season long, they have to respect the shooting of the Celtics. Even if it's not going in, you still can't leave them open because you have some of the best three-point shooters on the league on this Boston team. So the variance, of course, is a question. But, I mean, you go across the NBA, you can make that argument for a lot of teams. If they're not hitting their threes, they're probably not going to win the game. Bucks are different obviously, because they're so reliant on Giannis getting to the rim. But still, you have Brooke Lopez, who's been one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Um, you know, Middleton could get his, even though he's been a bit streaky. This guy and his Walmart Wi-Fi. His Walmart Wi-Fi. <laughs> My me. goodness. This guy makes too much money to have shit Wi-Fi. Not to mention, <laughs> not to mention John. Here we go. John, 
Did you My not see was last, fine, though, last game? They built the wall of China <laughs> around Giannis, and it yeah. worked like the, the literal wall of China, and it worked. You know what, though, Riff? But uh, Middleton being back is huge, though, and that's a big thing. We said it last season, too. With, with Middleton being out, we felt if Middleton played, it's a different series. We think Milwaukee has it. I'll say, I'll say this, though. Why I am hesitant is because I believe in Jason Tatum, obviously, but his inconsistency. He yeah, he does. Milwaukee. He does. When he plays Milwaukee, it's the Jason Tatum that we know and we respect yeah. as a top six, top seven player in the association. Absolutely. But with just the the if they're going to play that that lineup of Al Horford, then yes, I agree. Offense becomes very simplified for the Boston Celtics, and then you take away Milwaukee's strong suit, which is defense. They're one of the best defenses in the game, but it becomes concerning of. Are we going to get Tatum every single night to be the Jason Tatum that he showed last season against Milwaukee? But is Jason Tatum just going to have one of those random moments where you need him most? It's just that it's just, it's not his night. Shots are not hitting. And against Milwaukee, you can't have a fuck-up like that. You can't have a fold. Milwaukee's going to be on 10, defensively sound every single night. And then when it comes to, to defending Giannis, yes, you do have that wall there. But now that Middleton's there, it relieves some pressure. And if Drew's hitting – then that also relieves some pressure. That trio together is the reason why last season, if they're together, I feel like they would have gone past the Boston Celtics this season with them playing a lot better, more concise basketball since Middleton's been back. Then this starts to be where I feel a, a pulling of my heartstrings, and I think I just got to lean Milwaukee at this point. Drew, how do you have heartstrings for the Celtics if you're a Lakers fan? Ooh, you know, as soon as, said, as, oh as soon as I said, as soon as as soon as I said heartstrings, I knew that statement was going to come out. But it's in terms of where my mind's at, where my heart's at, how I feel like which which this which way is this series going to go? Drew. So it was the wrong word. But question: Tatum's been oh. on a heater. Tatum these last seven eight games he's been, he's has been, been efficient. He's been, been thirty plus. No, yeah. feel, yeah. how often do we do this though? How often do we do that with Tatum? And I'm sorry, Riv, and then we can get to you. How often, often do we do that with? Right. Tatum is, again, in my opinion, one of the best players in the association. Absolutely no doubt. But it's the, hey, Tatum just had a shitter. Why do we do that? So, like, I feel like relatively, let me not say relatively. Have you often, seen, have you seen what Giannis shoots against the Celtics his last 10 games? Giannis is like, inefficient 40-ish? every single time. He's like 40% or less these last 10 games. Um, so, we can talk about Tatum. Giannis is going to get his 30, but he's going to do it on 28 shots. No, no, no. No, we're going to talk about, it. we're going to talk about Tatum. And this is why, this is where my question is leaning towards, uh, not really a question, but Dells and Drew, you guys are very big Tatum guys on the show. You guys are the Tatum guy. Tatum OD. Um, do you and Drew and Drew, you mentioned it. You said you don't like the fact that sometimes he can become inconsistent. Is this? Can we just not say this is just who Jason Tatum is as a player? A player well, that's well, gonna have the. He's twenty five. He's twenty five. Stop it. He's twenty five, which is why I give him the benefit of the <laughs> doubt. I still think that you can change that as you grow. He's still a young, bro, developing like, he, player. He, he's 25, but he has the game log of a 40-year-old. So it's like, yes, he's 25, <laughs> but he has so much game log in him. I think, like, in terms of, like, him and who his player arcs are and the guys within his tier, T-Mac, like, people who he's built his game around of, they've all been known as inconsistent guys. Like at the moment, they have their stinkers, Paul George, Tracy McGrady. Like they've known to have their stinkers and their inconsistencies. I think this is just, who Curry, Jason, 2016. I think this is just who Jason Tatum is as a player. Like he's just, he's going to have that stinker, especially the way his shot diet is. He's a very high variant, take threes. He's a jumper guy. He's just going to have those inconsistencies. 
And you have to kind of just live with that. And that's where Jalen Brown comes into play, where he comes and he picks up the slack. So I'll just put in putting these super chats in and um, just some statements that they've been making. This is a good question, though. If the over-under for Luka championships was two and a half for his career, are you taking under. the under? under. No, I'd probably go under. I would probably yeah, go under probably as well. Because you're going to have to build so the right. absolute perfect yeah. team that that can coexist with Luka Doncic. What if he, he goes to the next? Fuck that. Winning a chip is hard. I don't know. Yeah, you, need so you need, much you need right, luck bro. to win a chip yeah. on top of everything. Like, I'm gonna go if under. they would have changed it to one and a half, like one and a half, and then we're sitting actually. Like, I feel like his lines are like two. Uh, is he going to get yeah, more than two? I feel like yeah. two is like the number he'll get. Three championships, though, is a lot. Um. 2023 Hall of Fame inductees. This is one of the better classes we've seen. Uh, before I get into the players, we'll talk about Greg Popovich making it. You know, Becky Hammond making it for sure. Four players made it: Dirk Nowitzki, Dwayne Wade, their finalists, Tony Parker, and Paolo Gasol. We're gonna rank these guys' careers, and I think that there's two tiers that it goes into. There's the Dirk and Wade tier, then there's the Parker and Gasol tier. So we'll start with the Dirk and Wade tier. Between Dirk and Wade, who do you think had a better career? Dirk. I'm on the I'm on the Dirk train. Like uh, I feel like if you want to go peak, if you want to go peak, Wade is right there. Even like over Dirk, if you want, that's no problem. But once you really start looking at like how long the Dallas Mavericks were good for with Dirk Nowitzki as the foundation of their team, and mm-hmm. like just it's also how much injuries took a toll on Wade post like 2013 2014 I think that back half of each career Dirk really starts to pull away from him a little bit I Uh, think Dirk had the better career too I'm gonna side with you on this I think for one he had the he had the longer prime he's the only one between the two that has an MVP which is which is huge and Dirk got payback on Wade for the 06 finals you know Wade had his moment his legacy moment in 06, but so did Dirk in 2011. He had his legacy moment in that finals as well. And I just really, what separates me, what separates these two for me is that Dirk, his influence on European basketball is so grand, where I don't think that Wade had the same type of influence worldwide that Dirk had on, on the game of basketball. You know, Wade was a great player, but Dirk, you know, he was one of the first players to come overseas and, you know, he changed a bit of the perception of overseas players. And I think that matters a lot in this conversation. Ah, man, this is um, this is tough. This one's close. This is it's, close. It's very close. It's Let me say that. Um, yeah. Just to just to give a little get a little love to D Wade, you know, coming in the, the stuff he did after his year one, people really don't remember, you know, going to the ECF, playing the Detroit Pistons, giving them hell next year, get Shaq. Won the title, down 2-0, you know, had a historic finals. Then after that, you know, teams wasn't good, but he backpacked. You know, he led his team one year. I think the year he could have maybe won MVP if the team was better, led the team is what, points, rebounds, steals, assists. He was like 38-8, some shit like that. I think it was like 08, 09. He was amazing. And like you mentioned, even before 2013, like, I think his knees started breaking down in like 2011, 2012. Like, he really, D-Wade is is so sad for him because he had a short peak. Because his knees just couldn't handle it anymore. Um, but Joel made a lot of good points. You know, Dirk's Dirk's impact on overseas basketball is so broad. You know, I think peak for peak, I would take D Wade pretty easily. You know, I think the two way play, the fact that he was such a menace at the rim, you couldn't stop him. His ability to manipulate pick and rolls was just different. I would take him for peak. But career, Dirk has the MVP. 
he did get the payback in two thousand. That was a better. He he essentially beat the big three. You know, that's not that's no slouch performance. You know, he beat a team with LeBron, D Wade. D Wade would probably had another Finals MVP if somebody didn't choke. But you know, I'm not gonna just sit here and gloss over that. I'm gonna just move on from that. Um, I would probably ah fuck. I, uh, like, Riv, I feel. Listen, I'm I'm with you though, Riv. I feel like your heart wants to go Dwayne Wade and these two guys going Dirk, which you guys gave very valid arguments. I'm with tough. you. What for me? It's peak for peak. I think D Wade had the higher the higher peak when when Dwayne Wade was at his best. We're talking about a, a guy who led the league in points was probably his best case for MVP that year, that 0809 season. He does have four less All-NBAs, so that's another thing that carries over to Dirk having the, the better longevity. Yeah. I just think two-way ability, just immediate impact to a team. Not that Dirk didn't have that, because of course he did, but that 06 season, no one expected Dwayne Wade to be the guy of that, that 03 draft class to be the, the first one to win a championship. They looked at guys like Melo, of course. Not that Dwayne Wade was some slouch, of course not. But it, it was thought to be that Melo LeBron would be the first to do it. And then here comes Dwayne Wade with a historic performance in the playoffs and, of course, the finals as well. And, Riff, I'm not going to hide from that fact, too. 2011, that 2010-2011 finals, Dwayne Wade's probably looking at another finals MVP right there. He was unbelievable. And also, I will say that 2020, that 2012 series against OKC, he was great, too. That was the Dwayne Wade that – that was the, the Dwayne and LeBron that we had expected to see together. It was unfortunate that his knees went down and that his knees could not hold up for his game. but the athleticism, the two-way ability, the great scoring that even though he wasn't a great three-point shooter, his ability to get to the rim, his, his mid-range game. I just feel like for all around, I'm going to go Dwayne Wade. Wade County, man. He got, yo, he runs Miami. Like he and you, and you mentioned, he, and you mentioned over, you mentioned overseas. Hakeem still comes to mind. Uh, Arvita Sabonis, that's another guy that comes to mind. He was Those past two, his prime. No, no doubt. Arvidas was still very good in the NBA. He was like thirty-five, Hakeem, though, bro. I think I think Dirk Hakeem is, is the I guy, think, though. I think I think Dirk is more impactful than Hakeem. And Hakeem overseas, I get it. But when we're talking about like strictly white Europeans and the stereotype around that they're not very good, um, a lot of that changed when Dirk came to the league. Not not going to discredit that okay. at all. Tony Tony Kukoc was probably the first, but nowhere near the the skill level of mm-hmm. Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah. I I have weight over Dirk too. Um, not just the rings, like obviously three to one, but as Drew mentioned, two-way player, like defensively three All-NBA defensive teams. Like scoring-wise, like offensively, they were obviously different players, right? Like Dirk's primarily post player who was hitting threes. Wade was more of a guy that's came to the rim more. Um, could have a pull-up jumper, but never really like a three-point shooter. Like career, I think he's under 30% still. Um, but I agree, like there's kind of a tier between uh, the top two guys and then Powell and, uh, and Tony Parker would get to. But I would probably just lean Wade a bit over because of more rings and defensively, he's given you more than, than Dirk. It's easy to play with LeBron, man. But that's is that what D Wade's career is? Before Steph going KD, the second half of it is definitely that. You got to give D Wade more he was credit. Still great. It's like LeBron's is obviously the best player, but man, if, if if LeBron ain't go to Miami, Dwayne Wade's the first round exit for the rest of his career. Dirk, Dirk won. I feel like they figured out with Dirk won an MVP and blew a three. Maybe. But I, but LeBron, think about LeBron it. LeBron also left, and they didn't they go to the second round that year. If Chris Bosh was able to play, they could have made an ACF run. Yeah, yeah. They lost to an eighth seed. 
coach. Well, as I want to talk about that, though. I understand you gotta, that. You got to give you one MVP still, though. Establishing Miami. He lost the if, Jokic, if Jokic wins MVP and loses in the first round, we're all calling oh, him frauds. He, yeah. <laughs> the We Believe Warriors. Yeah, but Jack, Jack, you might have to create a new TikTok account if that Dude, I could not. <laughs> if, if, if the Nuggets lost specifically to the Lakers in the first round, I legitimately would take like a month long break from social media. Like, I could not mentally handle that right well, now. It could be a reality. I know. That's why I'm, I'm freaking the standings not, every day. I'm like, oh, Lakers won last night. <laughs> we should have talked about this. <laughs> we should have talked about this in the last segment, Jack. But what do you like? What do you think about the, the Nuggets? Like, what is their ceiling? Who do you want to, who don't you want to see in the first round? I would hate to see the Lakers in the first round. That would suck. Ideal scenario, we catch, like, the Thunder in the first round. Like, the Thunder win the play-in tournament or something yeah. like that. Grab the eight seed. Um, yeah, the Lakers would suck. Because, like, I really uh, – for all, like, the transition offense, blah, 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 I really – I believe in them. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt <laughs> is – awful to have as like a supplementary defender for Jokic like if you could throw AD at him and then have Vanderbilt helping over in the post and make the four other guys beat you I haven't seen enough out of Jamal Murray this season to really like believe that's going to be an easy win Michael Porter Jr. is sick but uh if if the ball movement isn't really good Michael Porter Jr. is taking a lot of contested saying he's overrated is so Michael Porter Jr. is so overrated the the narrative that MPJ just gets the ball and shoots is hilarious to me like he doesn't know how to pass uh I mean he He doesn't he doesn't he doesn't know I know I know it's it's hilarious oh I made I made a video where he made one good pass he got 10k likes it was easy (laughs) I mean I was like oh my god this is the first like actual dime I've ever seen him make (laughs) <laughs> I don't think he's overrated. I think he's got a cult following that will let you hear about him. He does. Though. No question. If he's the first option, he's averaging 25. On a 13-1 team. He's a superstar. Yeah, that's too much. I'm like, Jokic is the perfect spot for him to be next to. Hell like, yeah. If he's sure. putting the ball on the ground the whole game, he's averaging five turnovers a game. Yeah, I think people don't <laughs> understand that. Like, He just doesn't handle the ball well. And those injuries really killed his feel over those years. He never was able to develop that in his early 20s. And now we get to a point where the lack of reps, Lawton being stiff in the upper body, that kind of kills Yo, him. Yo, he's really like stiff and janky mover. Like he moves uh, all the John B pulling up with the context behind players' <laughs> development. Like, yeah, you know, three years ago when he got – three years ago when he had those life problems and really deterred his development, wasn't able to get into the gym like that. I know. But the Suns, the Suns, Jack, that, that matchup in the second round would petrify me. Oh, absolutely. I've not. I woke up the night the night that it happened. I randomly woke up at four in the morning. I just opened my phone, checked Twitter. I saw the Woj tweet that said the trade went down. I could not sleep for the rest of the night. I was just like, <laughs> Why? The West was that was the Lakers still stunk back then. Like the West was ours, and all this shit went down after that. And I mean, I know it's the middle of the season at that point. I shouldn't have been counting my ducks before they hatch <laughs> or whatever, but. Yeah, that stinks. I uh, and then the I Nuggets really started to play kind of shitty. Oh my lord, bro! <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that six-game win streak or loss streak where we yeah. lost to the Spurs, 
That's the lowest I've been in a minute. That was tough. I, would- <laughs> I wish we knew they weren't trying Celtics to went through the same shit. We lost to the Rockets. We lost like three in a row. And I the remember season's that over. We're losing in the first too. round. No, that Rockets, that Rockets W, I was cooking. Oh, my God. Like, bro, when they lost, I was like, yeah. It's, yeah, it's up for the season's done. Oh, my God. My, my that was probably the shambles. lowest I was, too, when the Lakers lost to the Rockets. Bro, I was, when the Rockets went back to back, I'm like, yup, heater, making the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> my oh, goodness. Teams lose to the Rockets. It's just awful. But that's why Dells is so adamant by the Celtics now because that losing streak – you know he he was he was hearing about it. Twitter was was cooking him. Then you know they beat the Bucks. Oh look at us now! Yeah, I would I would yeah. be flexing that Bucks win too. Oh my, I we mean, smoked them. Yeah, no, that that shit was bad, bro. It was really bro, bad. Second quarter game was over. We went to half. Yeah, that was our day. <laughs> and with the Bucks, that's a team that is never throwing a game. Like they pull yeah. up if if Giannis and Drew and everyone is playing, they are going a hundred percent. And mm-hmm. so like. And they've been pretty good on back-to-backs. I know we mentioned it was five games in seven days or whatever. They had a really good record on, uh, like, back-to-backs when they played the Nuggets and the Nuggets won. And it's probably a little worse now, obviously, with the um, Celtics loss and everything. But they're a tough out, no matter, like, yeah. what the context of the game is. When it comes to Tony Parker and Paul Gasol, where do you have these two ranked? Oh, I got Tony Parker. Comfortably. I got Tony uh, Parker as well. I think comfortably is rude. Okay, I would say you got a Lakers jersey. Well, Paul you know, an Olympic yeah, gold yeah. medalist, bro. We, yeah, all right, put respect listen. on him. Yeah, you're gonna let me uh, go. Or I hate, I hate when y'all <laughs> to me. You're talking about Laker legend. How can you not be higher on Kobe? What are you disrespecting Paul Gasol for? That has absolutely nothing to do with the stance. It's just with the fact that Tony Parker was a great basketball player on an all-time great dynasty of the San Antonio Spurs, was a final MVP as well. The year that the Spurs lost to the Heat, the heat when, of course, LeBron, oh, Ray Allen. I apologize. Because uh, they're calling me out. They called me out. So I yeah, had but to, next I, to your name, it should say Lakers fan ETC since 2019. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Uh, what's your, who's your favorite team? <laughs> the Knicks. <laughs> oh, do we know that for sure? Yes, I have oh, a jersey. I have a Carmelo Anthony jersey when I was like 11 years old. Uh huh. Sure. So do I actually. I have Does that make Julius, me a, a next fan? I, I bought a Julius Randle jersey. I have a Carmelo my... Anthony Syracuse jersey. I'm a deeper oh, fan it. than you, bro. I need um, that. <laughs> I need I'd, prob- that. I'd probably go. I I feel like Tony Parker and Pau Gasol, they're just barely on different levels. I view Tony Parker at his best as like a range like way back end but still in the MVP conversation just because the Spurs were so good and Pau Gasol at his best more like just a high level all NBA kind of guy yeah I think Pau Gasol is my favorite player on this list I love Pau Gasol I love the dumb little transition he had and everything but yeah I do I would take Tony Parker I mean when you talk about like he's the Tony Parker is the second best player on a dynasty for like over 18 years you know like my hot take was Manu is better I mean that's fine Manu was great so I'm not going to disrespect Manu at all but um you know Tony did win finals MVP he was the guy that initiated the offense to pick and roll with him and Tim Duncan he was vital to that the clutch scoring Tony that Parker little was the floater guy he had yeah. that's iconic nah, Tony's Tony's floater was crazy he wasn't, he wasn't no slouch this is a guard that was in the west with a lot of west guards and he was giving them the business yeah. that's a fact like, I, I got to lean Tony, man. The chips, the, the the dynasty. Like, he was the consistent. It wasn't just Tim Duncan. It was him, Manu, no. Tony Parker. But Tony Parker was a consistent point guard for two decades for a dynasty. And Any era. Like I, 
the oh the 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 uh, 2000s, the slow paced era. Then they brought in the funk to the late 2000s, the Lakers. You had Denver, you had Dallas. Tony Parker was still there, and then the new era with OKC coming in. They had Westbrook, the high flyer, but Tony Parker was still consistently there. So I lean Tony for this one. And that's what I was going to say that that Heat Finals, Tony Parker was the Spurs' best player. I never feared a player on the Spurs the way I feared Tony Parker that year. He, every single night, it did not matter what, I'll never forget it, that that floater that he took fading to the sideline as regulation was about to go out. I remember leaving his hand into my mind saying, we lost. And it was a horrible shot. It was nowhere near going in. But that's how much I feared and respected Tony Parker. He was unbelievable that series. And I remember him hitting that three that put the, the Spurs up five. That was that was a remember when he remember when he made LeBron Parker and hit the uh, mid range off the backboard. Say that one more time. When, when he had he was playing LeBron, they put they finally put LeBron on him. That's how great he is. And then yeah, LeBron, yeah, LeBron was hacking him for thirty seconds in the shot clock. He was, and then he made LeBron do a pump fake and hit it right. Because that's the bro, that's what I was saying. He hit the three over LeBron James to put him up five. I was yeah. like, bro, what is he on? LeBron when I think about hard. Paul Gasol, I think about Game Seven, twenty ten, when. His rebounding performance and his and one bucket over KG was just—I bet that's what you remember. It's just a monster. Them <laughs> 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 just destroying the Celtics just warmed my heart so much, man. <laughs> Shit, you're disgusting. <laughs> so I think we can group two topics in together because I feel like it kind of they have like the same substance behind it. So Kevin Durant had an interview with Shams and. It was Shams? a very yeah, Shams, Shams, Shams. It was a very disappointing interview, I would say. I didn't feel like I got like much out of it outside of KD, you know, basically talking about how much he hates when people talk about his legacy. And Brave. Brave. KD said, When it comes to me, people are not going to think in a logical way or simply look at what I've done and say that's it. They gotta add a narrative to it, they gotta push something to discredit me. Once I left to go to the Warriors, it's been the gymnastics on how to discredit me every step of the way. And I think this goes hand in hand with kind of like the MVP straw poll we were going to have on on this show because Embiid is winning the straw poll currently. But even him recently, he's come out with some comments that like at the timing of the season looks very odd to come out with. Like Embiid recently just said that winning championships isn't all that matters. And I think that we're kind of seeing this wave of like superstar players coming out and saying like, eh, listen, it's not it's not that important. You know what I'm saying? Win the championship. Yeah, it'd be nice to have. But, you know, uh, let's stop putting so much weight on it. And I don't know how you guys feel about like superstars basically not valuing these championships as much as I, they probably were once before. Ugh. <laughs> Kevin Durant. Like, I feel like we've there's been a change in like before in the past. Players used to just value winning, just championships, and fans weren't that hell-bent on it, and now it's kind of like a switch where, like, fans are super hell-bent on it, and the players are like, you know what? No, that's actually not is what matters. That's not all that matters. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Durant. Oh, man. You know, <clears throat> I watched the interview, and um, you, you made a good point, Joel. A lot of the, some of these new superstars that are coming up, they feel like winning is not too valuable. I mean, we look at Joel Embiid, Damian Lillard, two guys that come to mind. Kevin Durant's a little different, though, because he's a winner outside of those two. You know, he has two NBA championships. He has an MVP. He's been one of the best players in the league for a long time. So his his case is a little different. Um, I think 
what he fails to realize is that the NBA is we're always critiquing these players because you know at the end of the day you come into the NBA you want to win the championship. The goal is you want to win at the highest level. You go into every level, AAU, high school, you want to win. College, you want to win. You get to the NBA, you want to win. It's always I want to win at the highest level because that's where the best players win. And I think him saying I don't think people spin the narrative. I just think he still doesn't understand what he did when he went to Golden State. Like what he did when he blew a 3-1 lead, he lost and then went to the team that beat him. He still doesn't fully grasp that that, that was an insane move. He keeps saying we spin, we're spinning the narrative. I don't think that's true. I mean, has people kind of forgotten what he's done before uh, Golden State? People, Some people have. Has people forgotten how great of a player he is after Golden State? Because also the Brooklyn loss was pretty bad. Yeah, I agree. But I think the spinning the narrative part, I don't, I don't, I can't fully say I agree with that. You know, I think people just, he just doesn't realize how bad 2016 really was in terms of going to another team that blew a 3 1 lead. Yeah, with what he said here about it, like being mental gymnastics and people not really thinking like a logical way, I just think like the way people talk about basketball. You're like, it's not just the your accomplishments on a piece of paper, like these things don't exist in a vacuum. There are like narratives and nuance around how your career plays out. And like Riv said, I mean, that was crazy. That was like probably the defining moment of the second half, the last two thirds of the 2010s decade is when Kevin Durant signed in Golden State. I mean, it's just like. I don't know. Like, I don't think it's mental gymnastics for people to kind of think about it that way. It was a monumental moment in NBA history for sure. And unfortunately, but this is the truth of the matter. Whenever you think about Kevin Durant, the first thing you think about is him going to Golden State. It's, and- it's a unique situation that has never been like recreated in the NBA. That's mm-hmm. why it's such a definitive moment for his career. Yeah, I agree. It's very simple to break that. Go ahead, John. You know, I was away for a while. You can go ahead, King. But you know what? I don't think we talk about enough with Kevin Durant. I think we overemphasize with Katie the fact he left the Thunder, but we don't talk enough about the Thunder failed to build around him and Russell Westbrook. They didn't put any shooting. They didn't go into luxury tax to bring back James Harden. So he goes to the Golden State and he finally gets the structure and the star power. He finally gets built around the way a superstar should, and he wins two championships. This is not to discredit Steph Curry, but he's had Steve Kerr. Katie had Scott Brooks. He's had Draymond Green. Katie had Serge Ibaka. And then when he goes to Brooklyn, he had to deal with injuries and a lot of uncontrollables. So he goes to the Suns, and all of these moves that he's made up until this point have been based off legacy. He's tried to save his legacy by going to the Warriors, leaving Russ, going to the Nets, acquired his own, and now going to the Suns because things didn't work out in Brooklyn. But I don't think we really talk enough about the fact that he's had a hard hand throughout his entire career in the NBA. And compared to most superstars like LeBron, like Steph Curry, he has had to, I guess... It's really affected his legacy in a way that which he's left those positions, but it's not like they actually built around him well enough. Um, John, I, I wow. understand where you're coming from. Uh, very interesting, but I do understand where you're coming from. Uh, one thing I'll say, it's very easy for me, for me to break down Kevin Durant's legacy. So, Jack, you're 100% correct. There's no mental gymnastics here. You were up 3-1 to the Golden State Warriors. You ended up losing that series. You did not play well in those closing games. You left that OKC team to join the team that you lost 3-1. Very easy. 
you joined a 73 win team and you made basketball very uneventful for three, two seasons. Cause the third, you ended up getting hurt. And of course we all understand if you were healthy, we believe you would have won three straight titles. Uh, and then you leave and you've yet to accomplish what you set out to accomplish, which is win an NBA championship, not with the golden state warriors. Now with Steph Curry as your counterpart. And of course, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, two of the greatest role players in NBA history. Of course, they're more than just role players, but we can acknowledge that in when Kevin Durant wasn't in, in Golden State, that's what they were asked to be. So, yes, you've left and you haven't won a championship. When you become an all-time great, that's unfortunately what has to be with your name. Championships. Unfortunately, for the fact that you don't like when people have this conversation about you. And as a basketball player, I understand that people get harsh critiques. I'm trying to be more conscious of that, not be as not be as direct or forward and, and rude about my analysis of them. But when it comes to Kevin Durant, it's very easy um, but to talk about what you were mentioning, John, about his lack of help. Uh, debatable, debatable. When it comes to OKC, yes, you could say that that team wasn't built great, but they're the going only to move that I, 2021 at this the time. only move that I didn't love from them was them trading James Harden because they didn't want to have to pay him enough that money. And in hindsight, obviously, you would have had Russ, you would have had KD and James Harden stick together. That's a championship, in my opinion. Inevitably, you end up winning one. Uh, but you leave Golden State, you go to the Nets, you have Kyrie Irving. Uh, that that team was already formulated relatively well. And then, of course, you trade Jared Allen, you trade Karis LeVert. You trade a bunch of draft picks for James Harden. The three were supposed to be the greatest big three ever assembled together offensively. And you could say that injuries killed him. He played a part in that. Kevin Durant missed a lot of time that, that first year that the big three were assembled together. Of course, he ends up coming back for the playoff time. He ends up being an unbelievable basketball player in the playoffs with the Kevin Durant that we do know. But then, of course, now this past season, the Knicks are uh, the, the Nets are back to form. I won't talk about last season because – he was underwhelming, extremely underwhelming against the Celtics. And then this past season, everything's clicking. Kevin Durant looks great. Kyrie looks great. The supporting cast looks very great. He gets hurt. And then now you're giving Kyrie time to think about the landscape of this team. What really is – what are the Brooklyn Nets without me and Kevin? They're not, a, they're not this great foundational team. Now they look better, of course, because they ended up trading these two guys and got some, some compensation to, to really complete the roster. Still has their ways to go, but – Kevin Durant played a part in that. And of course, last season, the big deal was that they got swept against the Celtics team that a lot of people believe that they should have gotten past. And That's to not win me. a game that very, that very screw you. And to get swept is crazy. So I think that it's very simple to, to break down Kevin Durant's. I put no prior notes into thinking about this. It's just all facts that we have about Kevin Durant. Yeah, and I think it's interesting the timing of this interview because we just got the Embiid quote just last week or the week before, right, um, where he kind of not the same lines, but along the same lines, basically saying, like, it's not everything to just win a championship. And I think the biggest difference between these two is obviously Kevin Durant has done that. He has proven, regardless if you want to say a situation with the Warriors, I mean, a lot of players could go into that and win a championship with that dynasty and Kevin Durant being the high caliber player he is, is obviously going to make that team unstoppable, which he did for a couple of seasons. Um, but I don't hate the comments Katie used because, I mean, he seems like a, a guy who's very private in one sense where like he said, I want to hoop 
win games and go home and enjoy time with my family. But then he also just has like burner accounts on Twitter where he like defends himself. So I kind of have like, like Drew mentioned point of the harshings where it's like, in one sense, I want to respect KD and just give him his privacy. But in this other sense, it's like, he's almost, he's been caught with it, but he defends himself at will on Twitter with people that like nobody, like he doesn't know who these people are. He's way more successful than any of these people will ever be. And he still feels like he has the need to defend himself. So I want to give him the benefit of the doubt that at the end of the day, what matters to him most, it doesn't really matter what we say, right? Like if he just wants to hoop and go home with his family, that's fine. But then when he gets caught doing some of like the other shit, like he, he has been in the past on Twitter defending his name where Kevin Durant does not need any defending. I mean, there's obviously going to be comments made all the time that he joined the super team with the Warriors. We just blew a three to one lead to it was just the best regular season of all time. Like I get all of that, but Kevin Durant should feel like I'm KD. I do not need to go out there and defend myself and defend my name. I'm already cemented as one of the best basketball players of all time, one of the best scorers of all time. There is nothing I can do to a random Twitter user who has 17 followers that's going to change that. So I didn't want to sound like hypocritical because last week I said I didn't like the comments Embiid made because Embiid hasn't won. He hasn't gone out of the second round. He hasn't been able to get over that hump. Well, Kevin Durant has done that already. So if he wants to take more of a backseat and say, I'm just trying to hoop and keep everything else on the outside, that's fine to me. And Bede still has to get that respect, not to me because he doesn't give a shit about me, but I think for the rest of the NBA, the players, front offices, like everyone who's in that NBA, and Bede and Kevin Durant, I think pretty clearly are not seen in the same light historically in the NBA. Right now, obviously, two of the best players in the league, but historically, we're looking at KD as one of the best players of all time. Embiid obviously is one of the best players too, but when you don't have that playoff and championship success, you're not going to be in that same light. I do think that when it comes to Kevin Durant, for somebody that constantly talks about not caring about how he's perceived or his legacy, he definitely defends it more so than somebody who probably really doesn't care. I do think that Kevin Durant does care about his legacy, but even that like in itself, I think legacy – is a weird topic because overall people are going to get forgotten about anyway. My real gripe when it comes to Kevin Durant and other stars, when they make moves that people question is the lack of accountability or awareness around whatever decision they make. And they act totally, I guess, baffled by certain reactions people have by decisions they make. Like when Kevin Durant goes to golden state and everybody hated the move and he becomes the villain of the NBA like in his mind, he still believes that it was justified, which it probably was. You know, he made the best decision for himself, but he doesn't understand why he got the pushback he got when I think it's pretty clear why he got that pushback and the negative reaction that he got. And I it's think not that like people gave LeBron a pass. They weren't like, good job, LeBron. I'm happy that you joined Miami. No one was happy with that move. Oh, yeah, nah, and and I think when LeBron made the decision, he knew what he did. He probably didn't understand how big of a negative reaction it was going to get. Correct. But Correct. when LeBron looks back at it now, like he understands why people had that reaction. Rich Paul has come out and said that they probably wouldn't do it the same way they did it when, when they made the decision because of the negative reaction. So they are aware of their decision and the implications of that. When it seems like Kevin Durant just like, I just don't understand why you guys just don't like me. Like, I don't understand why you guys <laughs> – are fucking discrediting my championships. I don't understand why you think I'm not this great player. And it's not not that we don't think you're a great player, but you made a move that in NBA history is going to go down as 
one of the moves that is the least favorable and one of the weakest moves that we've seen a star player of his caliber make. And there's just a complete like lack of like self-awareness around decisions that certain NBA stars make. And I think that's like the biggest thing that I take away from, you know, what he said. The interview, the interview is pretty trash. And he did sound what? oblivious to John. the legacy thing. John, John, um, you don't think, and I, I, I don't like fully disagree with you, but um, you don't think OKC built an all right team around them? They built a dog shit team around Katie and Russell Westbrook. Think so? The same team that we excused Russell Westbrook for not winning a playoff series with was the same exact core and cast that Kevin Durant had all the years before. I mean, let's go over the Oklahoma City Thunder's 2016 rotation. Kevin Durant, uh -huh. Russell Westbrook, George Ibaka, Deion Waiters, Steven Adams, Andre Roberson, Randy Foy, Ennis Kanner, DJ Augustine shot 39% from the field, worse than Randy Foy at 34%, Kyle Singler, Anthony Moore on campaign. Check the, year that, they, check the year that they're going to go up 3 1 against a Warriors squad that has not Scott Brooks as their head coach. And they have Clay and Draymond, a really good dip bench. So I understand, look, KD, him leaving the Thunder was a weak move, the weakest in NBA history. And I get that. I would have loved to see him go to Washington, his hometown team. Yeah. The reality, yeah. though, was that team in Oklahoma City was terrible. They had very little shooting. They had some defense, but a lot of big, like Ennis Canner off the bench. It was not well built by Sam Preston. But do you forget, the, and this is my only pushback. I, I'm not saying you're completely wrong, but they had some runs. I mean, they went to the WCF. They lost to the Spurs. And it wasn't because they didn't have shooting. Their players they went to the finals. Down but the stretch. They're big three. And then they trade one of those yeah, guys. They won't go into no, 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 I no, definitely no, no, think no, no. that within their era, within their era, they were a great team. Yeah, yeah, I think no, that even, we look we look back at that OKC team and we look at the lack of space and we critique team. it, but like they definitely weren't as advanced as Golden State. Yeah. But that team was a good team. Even even I when they when enough. they traded Harden, they still played the Spurs in the WCF and they lost in six games in their home building. You know, and then a couple of years Westbrook got hurt. You know, it's like like I don't think there was that. Like I know you want to you want to harp on the fact that they didn't have shooting, but it was a different NBA than what it was, you know? So it, it wasn't like it was, it was transitioning to the three point era, but the only team that had elite shooting from top to bottom was golden state. And even then they, OKC, the way they got their buckets and the way they did things was in the paint, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook defensively, they were great. And I don't think you can say that they were a bad team necessarily. They weren't built right. They've had, they had runs. It just, they just folded within themselves. I agree with that, but it wasn't just that they lacked shooting around KD and Serge was developing it. It was the fact they didn't really have any reliable cast or supporting cast players. In yeah, those years. Like, I, I think I think yeah, the coaching the coaching point is valid. I think that's the most valid yeah, one. Yeah, because I think Scott Brooks was a terrible coach. It wasn't Billy Donovan in 2016 or on Bugger. It was Billy Donovan at that time. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. because the Wizards actually hired Scott Brooks to poach. Kevin Durant. <laughs> I actually would have really would have been like, would have been simple if he just went to Boston, man. He would have avoided all this. Lie. Still would have won a championship. You know he should have went to Washington. He should have went. Yeah, to Washington. I the think biggest... wants to go to Washington. Be so serious. Nobody <laughs> wants to go to Boston. I'm gonna be honest. The actually, biggest... no, we made a mistake. Billy Donovan was a historical franchise. Who have you? Yeah. Who have you post at a free agency? That's a prime time. Uh, Everything you do with trade. It's been times, but Al, Al Horford and, and Al. Horford, Al, excuse me, Al Horford and Gordon Hayward have been the two big ones. But we've had Kemba Walker, Brown, Jason Tatum, Kemba, all right. yeah, he left Charlotte. Cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, we Malcolm Brogdon was Brown, a trade. So it's not really trade, like. Yeah. Listen, I'm gonna be I mean, honest. We I think Rob. You have one ring in KD, 23 years. 
I think uh, Katie potentially. Fan. My <laughs> goodness, you guys just keep going. <laughs> like, bro, like, bro what are we talking shit. about here? Holy moly. I think one of the biggest what ifs that I've I've wanted to see happening within NBA history is Kevin Durant going to Washington and teaming up with John Wall and Bradley Beal. Like I, I would have really loved that. I don't know if they would have won a championship, but I feel like that team it just they, they would have had a shot for sure. That's your favorite what if in N- NBA history. I didn't say it was my favorite. Balance, oh, I thought you said one coordinates. of one of my biggest what ifs. Yeah, I'm like, I was gonna say like contextually, to me at least, like the circles I was in, it's important to remember. In 2016, Kevin Durant was getting cooked for blowing the lead, yada, yada, yada. I don't think there was a ton of people who were going to, like, cook him for leaving OKC in a vacuum. Like, it seemed kind of like a foregone conclusion. Washington was on the table. Boston. I was curious about San Antonio as a possibility. I thought that could have been cool with him and Kawhi and uh, Greg Popovich and all that. Like, people expected him to leave. It was where he went that like shattered the earth yeah i agree 100 percent. yeah you joined a 73 win team that you just blew a 3-1 lead to duh people were going to be upset kevin so this week in the nba i have a would you rather on mm. dylan brooks the villain of the nba dylan brooks would you yeah. rather is crazy <laughs> Dylan Brooks or Austin Reed. <laughs> that's actually a good name i didn't have that name written down but i'm definitely gonna have that um this is Would You Rather Dylan Brooks edition, the villain of the NBA. I will probably this pick gross. everybody over Dylan Brooks. This is so gross. First name up, Draymond Green. Draymond. Draymond. Yeah, give me Draymond. Draymond. Russell Westbrook right now. Uh, I would take Westbrook right now. I would take Westbrook. I'm taking Dylan Brooks. I'll take Dylan Brooks. Give me Dylan Brooks. God. Westbrook. I'm going to go Westbrook. It's harder to find a wing defender at the level of Dylan, so we got to go Dylan. Yeah. I bet you it's easy to find a shot trucker like him. If I could hypnotize him into taking, like, less shots, Dylan can we do, Is that possible, though? I can yeah. do – I can do – if you pay me a million dollars, I can do everything Dylan Brooks does offensively on a basketball court. I'm just imagining, like, hypnotizing Dylan Brooks to just like, – Stop shooting. <laughs> Pass the ball. I'm going to go Russ. Patrick Beverly. Dylan Brooks. I'm going to go Dylan Brooks. Yeah, I'll go Dylan Brooks. Yeah. I'm, I'm going Dylan Brooks as well. Jaden McDaniels. Jaden. McDaniels. Yeah, I'll go McDaniels. I would rather, I would rather McDaniels. Yeah, I'm yeah. going Jaden McDaniels too. OG Ananobi. OG. OG Ananobi. OG, 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 OG for sure. OG for sure. I'm going to be honest. I'm going Dylan Brooks. <laughs> I'm going to go Dylan you're, Brooks. You're trolling. You're baiting. Right? <laughs> yeah, he's so serious. <laughs> uh, Josh Hart. Josh, Josh Hart. Hart. Uh, yeah, Josh Probably. Hart. 100%. The rebound is nuts for a 6 4 guard. And he I'll can be shoot. Honest. Yeah, I'll go Josh Hart. And he just makes a lot of impact plays. Yeah, like, he's, he's a winning does. player. Yeah, I'll a go winning Josh. player. I feel like we're uh, undervaluing just, Dylan Brooks a little bit here. He did a step back three with down 30, and nobody, nobody was in Wait, front of him. I don't know. But he's one honestly, of the best defenders Joel, in the NBA. Why did you decide to go with, oh, why did you got, decide to go Dylan Brooks over Ojan and Obi? I'm curious. I like his ferociousness more. Right. Yeah, okay. Listen, I think OG OG's a fantastic defender. He hits threes, there's no doubt. He and Pat Bev over Dylan Brooks. His ferociousness clears. No, but (laughs) Dylan Brooks has more (laughs) to offer. It's just I feel like OG doesn't have that like chip that you kind of need like one of your grit and grind players to have 
And Does I Drew Holiday have that? He's he played for Toronto, bro. Dylan Brooks is more of a heart and soul to a team. Like, you he's know, he, he's animated. He's I would be very shit. happy Maybe getting OG and Anobi and finding the chip elsewhere, if that yeah. makes yeah, sense. Yeah, you could get someone else to replace that. Dylan Brooks is really good at that. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I think OG Dylan Brooks just be yelling with them tight-ass braids and screaming <laughs> and hollering all day. Yeah, I'm taking Dylan Brooks over Josh Hart, though. I think I'll take him over I'm going Josh Hart. I love Josh Hart, bro. Yeah, Some Knicks fan. You're taking Dylan Brooks yeah. over Josh Hart? He's not a Some Knicks fan. What, what, what listen, are we doing I here, Joel? Like, I feel like Dylan Brooks has become so high, hated that he's kind of like underrated. He's, he's just mid. He's I, just think, like, I, I would agree with that to some people, but I'm still going Josh Hart over. It's just – no, it's Dylan Brooks' offense is just really one of the worst in the league. It's really bad. Marcus it's Smart. Destru- it's one of the most destructive offensive games. That's uh, Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart. Yeah, I'll go Marcus Smart. Yeah, I'd, I would rather Marcus Smart as well. Smart. He's hey, also somebody. Games, Smart's been locked you know, in. Yeah. But, but sometimes Marcus Smart offensively can be destructive. Sometimes exactly. he can. He can. He can. He can. He can. He can. He Horrible sure. IQ sometimes. I'm going with uh, the depoy. I'm going with Marcus Smart as well. I'm shocker. Stop. Enough I'm with the depoy. I hate that word. <laughs> Am I? Are, or do people not say depoy? No. Uh, I don't know. I don't. Just player of the year. Jared Vanderbilt. The Vandalorian. Should it be? Uh, that's close. That's, that's, that's the closest that's, one, that's the closest list, one so far. I'd probably go Vando, though. I'd go Dylan Brooks. It really depends on the construction of the team and what you need because yeah. they do such different things. But I you watched, know, Vando misses too many open layups. I can't. I that's can't do true. It. I, can't it's, I won't lie. His finishing, his finishing really is not that good. I can't do it sometimes. He'd be bugging. Yeah, in I'm, a vacuum, I'd probably go Dylan Brooks. I'm going Dylan Brooks, too. I'll go Dylan Brooks. Vando for his career shoots like 70% at the rim, too, which is really weird. He just misses. He'll get it. No, I got you. Yeah. No, he gets he gets his second chance opportunity. Yeah, it's weird. Does he does be on the boards. On the Lakers, he's at 60%. Yeah, bro. He really um maybe I'm, snap sure maybe why, but for sure. He does the Andre Drummond. He just <laughs> and now I'm this is the last going. player I have on uh, I have on here. Herb Jones. Dylan Brooks. I'll take her. Brooks kind of having a down year. It's just shooting. Shooting's inconsistent. He's a lefty too. Lefty's supposed to stroke it. He can't. Yeah. Case in point. I'm gonna go with Herb Herb Jones. I don't. Yeah, maybe. I think that's the first. Herb Jones for the vibes. Yeah, yeah. I I got. I had a video blow up. I had a video blow up with Herb Jones. So I'll take Herb. There we go. Herb Jones for the vibes is lit. If they, if they start if they start playing Herb like Draymond Green, they might be better. What are some I'm other? Taking her, I'm Draymond taking Herb Jones. Can't pass though. Like Dylan Brooks or Alex Caruso. Caruso. Alex Caruso. Caruso. I would say Caruso. I'm taking Reeves over him too. League. Rave apologize. Yeah, Reeves. I've been apologizing. Are you actually I'll, taking? I'll never forgive Dylan you Brooks. for it. I'm taking all Reeves over Dylan Brooks without a doubt. Yeah, no, that's bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. You'd rather have Dylan Brooks on your team than Austin Reeves? Austin Reeves is yes. one of the most complete role players in the game. Respect him. Jesus Christ. Uh, I who said can do role more? players. I think Austin uh, Reeves does more. He's I don't not know who as, I would have. Defender, but I don't know. He's still a good defender. What about Dylan Brooks or prime P.J. Tucker? What the fuck PJ is a prime P.J. Tucker? Why does P.J. Tucker have to be brought up in every episode? <laughs> this is a rocket, you know, you know, P.J. You know, Tucker. You know, He's a fucking legend. Philly's like... Philly's like 30 and 8 when he has zero points. Yeah. Have you guys seen this trend on TikTok where it's like 
a random ass role player that was like mid, and it's like fuck it. It's your burner. Yeah. <laughs> like I got a I, I, the other day I got fuck it PJ Tucker highlights and it, it just Dude, started. PJ Tucker was pretty good. Yeah, they played Meek Mill. I'm a boss, and it started with like Tucker like getting a fucking steal. Oh, are you, are you Joel? You talk about the nah fuck it highlights on yeah uh, yeah, yeah yeah. I see I see somebody do nah fuck it highlights. Luke Babbitt. From, uh, the <laughs> I saw I saw uh, uh, Mauricio Huertas from the Lakers. Oh, yeah. Dude, those are funny. I saw uh, Nene highlights a while back with that. For real? One. They're, fun. They're fun. They're fun. Yeah, they are nice. fun stuff. Fun. I saw nice. a, a Raymond Felton one that was pretty. That pretty one was dope. dope. I saw that one. He was yeah. he was he was he was mean mugging everybody. That shit was tough. <laughs> yeah, Raymond Felton was, was cool. He's better than. Yes. Felton. I'm a big fan of the one of Kendrick Perkins doing his handling. <laughs> the, the crossover. <laughs> In the driveway, yeah. moving at like two miles an hour. <laughs> that ball nah, man, that trend is hilarious, bro. That trend is so fucking funny. The Nets shut down Ben Simmons. Okay. This is this is sad, man. You know, because I was thinking about this and I was like, it's kind of odd. That at the same time Ben Simmons' career is falling off, Markel Fultz's seems to be rising. And Markel Fultz is rising fast. He is. I was just going to say, it seems to me like if this had happened a little earlier in Ben Simmons' career, we could see a Markel Fultz situation where it goes like, he stinks, he stinks, he's supposed to be good. And then it, the, the switch just flips one day and people are like, I just want to see him play basketball to some degree the way that it kind of went with markel fultz did and people ever hate markel fultz no that's what i'm Jack? saying it's like if markel fultz had an atlanta hawks series like that uh this would not be the same situation but he did so it is it's hard to hate on I, someone who like fultz just wasn't really playing you know like Simmons yeah, not yeah. Playing. he had he was no bad moments. yeah yeah, yeah exactly. well, well people hate older. people hate jonathan isaac so I that's for like political though. reasons. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I forgot about that, Joel. Joel's right. Joel's yeah, that, right. that's really all it is. But it's political. Jonathan Isaac. Oh, But yeah, ben, the Nets shut down Ben Simmons. And I mean, looking back at this, like the Philly trade, I mean, Daryl Morey fleeced Sean Marks. And it's funny because I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I saw somewhere that it was Daryl Morey was like, just told Sean Marks, like, stay on the goddamn phone, like, during the trade deadline. Like, he just totally, like, sunned him. And I was like, no, you're staying on this phone, and we're getting this deal done. And, you know, at the time, I wasn't, a, a like, opposed to this trade. You know, Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, in a vacuum sounds like, okay, you know, it fills some of the Nets holes and, you know, shooting, defense, big man, that's okay. And then the Sixers got James Harden, which last year, those, the fruits weren't, you know, really tasted at that point but this year he's been really good i just feel like ben simmons this career arc is really strange and do you guys think that he'll ever find a way to bounce back it is i have to i have to bounce five o'clock but i just want to leave you guys um with this uh celtics propaganda before i go um since the oh, is this guy dead 12, ass 12 wins third most in the nba top five offense top two defense number one net rating Giannis last 10 games against the celtics shooting 40 46 40 38 46 59 40, 53, 40, 36, six losses over those last 10 games. Boston Celtics have beaten the Bucks by 20 on Christmas, 40, the worst loss of the season. Bucks did beat us by six. We didn't have Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, and Marcus Smart. That being yeah. said, fellas, it's been a blast. Jack, great Take to care. meet you. Um, Good to meet you, bro. Ben Simmons. Good cooking there at the end. Oh, my I'll God. Be honest. I'll be <laughs> honest. John, I'll be honest. I've, I've never seen a team 
milk Martin Luther King rings like the Boston Celtics. Like, <laughs> it's oh really God. insane. You're a Bulls fan. You're How a they milk those the rings. Dell's left we out the part where Jason Tatum shoots 42% in elimination games, but. <laughs> what happened? Uh, what happened? Game six elimination in Milwaukee. John, just remind me. I forgot. Go he forgets. Work. No, 40, John refuses 40, to acknowledge one of the better performances 46? of last year's postseason. Oh, okay, okay, get, type shit. Work. Joel, get we'll out of here. We'll see the Nuggets in the finals, John. We'll see him. Peace, fellas. <laughs> My goodness. I've truly man. never seen a team do it like them. They've done he it at a up, historical though. rate. He yeah. cooked up. Nah, he did. He had those sets. I mom. mean, he was waiting he, for that. He tweeted that like three days ago. He just read a tweet that he tweeted. <laughs> he was ready with it. Yeah. It was good so, timing. Yeah, Drew, you're the Ben Simmons yeah, guy. I, I am, and it's really sad. It honestly breaks my heart, to be honest with you. Uh, one of the – our first – not even one of – it was the first video – that pick aside had really blow up on that scale. And of course it's me supporting Ben Simmons. It's over. It's over the Ben Simmons train. It's done. It's, it's, it's at full stop and it's no longer functioning. This trade that went on with the 76ers and the Brooklyn nets is one of the craziest fleecings you'll ever see. And you mentioned it. Sean Marks absolutely got sunned by Dale Morey. Morey put on a master class, was able to acquire James Harden. And even still, as much as belief that I had in Ben Simmons, I even knew that this was a win for the Philadelphia 76ers because you were getting James Harden for someone that was not playing, that he was providing absolutely nothing for you. You got James Harden, you were able to pair him with Joel Embiid. That was obviously going to be a, an automatic W there. But for Ben Simmons, it's hard to find a spot for him unless he's fully committing to becoming a full-time center because you can't have players on the court next to him that also cannot shoot because he provides no spacing for you. Yes. Ben Simmons is a solid playmaker. No doubt. He's a solid passer, but at this point he's not able to really handle the ball. He's afraid to put the, the ball on the ground at this point too. He he's not aggressive. Shoot, like and not and, even and, shoot. Like he won't right, shoot like in the basket. Mm -hmm. He's not trying to put any type of post hooks, no floaters, no nothing at the basket. He's just trying to look to make the pass. Defensively, of course, he's one of the better defenders. He's very sound at that. But regardless, when you provide absolutely nothing for a team offensively, unless you're committing to being a true center, which I don't see him becoming, Ben Simmons and his time being any type of great basketball player, those days are over. I don't. It's weird. My, my fault. I don't. I don't think he has to um, be a center. You know, I, I don't think his role has to necessarily transition to a center, but I do think he has. Where to do you see him succeeding most? I think why can't why can't he be a Jared Vanderbilt? Yeah, or Draymond, like in that Jared, Jared Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt at least will sit in a corner, and if you ask him to shoot, he but may that's, not make it, and that's, but he'll take it. And that's the development. That's the thing. He has to understand, not even be a center. He has to understand, bro. Like I have to take the shot. Whether I'm going to miss it, I'm going to make it. I have to take this shot. I have to keep the defense honest. That's the problem. I don't think the role the, – the problem the problem is the role, but it's because he won't shoot anything. If he's able to shoot anything or take advantage of mismatches, he's 6'10", for God's sake, you know, attack the basket, then his role becomes a little bit easier to maneuver. But the fact that he won't even look at the rim is the real issue. Like you said, defensively, Jared Vanderbilt is a good guy that you can – like. he can play that type of role – he can play a Draymond role for a team. Like he can play roles in the league. There's still a role for him, but he has to become a little bit more aggressive. He has to look at the rim and be like, bro, I have to take the shot no matter. That's the main issue. And of course, he has to be healthy if he's actually really truly hurt.
Yeah. And I would say with Vanderbilt, like that comparison, Vanderbilt, half of his game is his mind and like hustling. Like you can't really teach that kind of thing. It's not common that it develops at the point that Ben Simmons is at in his career. So asking him to be that guy that you're going to be able to look at in the playoff series, he will struggle like shooting the ball or whatever, but you're going to get games where he'll get like 12 rebounds. I don't know because yeah. he's just like grinding on that end of the floor. Ben Simmons, one of the biggest things that pisses me off that nobody talks about is how much he just stands around. Like Gosh. he doesn't – off-ball movement is not there. He's not really like – his screens are very half-hearted. Just all of this stuff that like little things that you don't need to be skilled at, you don't need to be able to shoot the ball to do don't get done by him. And I think we should pretty seriously consider or reconsider what back on track means for Ben Simmons at this point in his career, because like everything Philly is out the window for me. And I think like him just contributing to a winning basketball team, playing defense and maybe getting five or six assists per game is like what I would like to see out of him moving forward. And if he passes that bar, fine. But, like, a back injury like he has for a guy who's 6'10 and relies on his athleticism so much, it's not good. Yeah, like, I'm very curious to to really know how much his back injury has affected his career. Because I think that when we talk about Ben Simmons, a lot of, the, a lot of what we talk about is the mindset, and that's all valid. But I wonder how much of that has to do with his back and how much of an impact that injury has had on his career. Because I think people kind of undersell it to, to a degree. I think that it probably has had a bigger impact. People realize, and you're right. I think that for him getting back on track is him just becoming a rotational player. Like it's not even him becoming a starter. It's him just becoming a capable rotational player. And what pissed me off about Ben Simmons the most is like, there's still like a subgroup of people. I don't think like as much now they're as open, but before definitely when, the Nets first started the season, there was like a subgroup of people that were just Ben Simmons truthers, and they just believed that it was all role. His flaws just came down to role, and that's that's obviously not true. And when we look at like face value stats, and people love to say this a lot, oh, you guys knock Ben Simmons for scoring seven points, and but Draymond does the same thing, and you know nobody gives him pushback. And it's like at that point, you can obviously tell like who's watching and who's not. And the reason the why. points are different. Mm-hmm, go, John. Draymond is an elite rim protector. The Nets yeah. tried Ben Simmons at center and he could not protect the rim. <laughs> Draymond is one of the greatest passing bigs we've seen. Ben Simmons is playing hot potato out there. And so I'm sorry to cut you off. I just want to add that point. Well, yeah, there's no for Ben Simmons. Draymond's also aggressive when he needs to be. He, he doesn't give a shit about missing the lead. Too aggressive, one might say. That Grizzlies game comes to mind. Relax. And you I'm know what? Saying. Saying. But I would rather that mistake happen. Facts, and I, have agree. His I agree. I'd rather that than Ben Simmons. <laughs> You're right. You're right. I remember watching Ben Simmons. There was an infectious energy and a joy that's been stripped, whether that's mental after getting paid, the back injury, or the culmination of just, I don't know, I've made it in life. I don't give a shit about basketball. Whatever the case may be, he's not a shell of himself. He. Holy shit. The type of fall off. I there's no word to describe it. 
speechless. <laughs> nice save there. <laughs> Bro had the word and he just forgot it. He was like, it, damn it. It happens. It happens to the best of us. Stop. Nah, stop. No, stop. I was actually trying to think it. of the word. I, I couldn't come up with one. <laughs> Goodness. Then he muted himself. John is Dude, funny tactical. as hell, bro. Fucking tactical. Oh, John, you're tactical, God. my friend. Oh, my well, God. I've also got a, uh, a boxer in the background, too. The nice, 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 nice. So. I, I was eating some chips, so that's why I was muting myself. Yeah, I don't know. And I think that now looking back at the, like, the Ben Simmons saga, Joel Embiid definitely gets a lot of passes for like his playoff like lack of success in there because you know it's just hard to win the playoff series when you have Ben Simmons and and the latest MVP straw poll we, we talked about it briefly but Embiid won the MVP by two votes seven hundred ninety to Jokic's seven eighty eight but it's because Embiid has more has six more second place votes Jokic has more first place votes so Jack I want to get your take on Embiid winning this poll and this was after he had not showed up to Denver and played that game. I just want to get your take on Embiid possibly winning the MVP this year for Jokic. I hope he does because I'm so sick of it. Like, it's just – he deserves an MVP. It's fine, sure. But, like, just this, I mean, constantly. It's been three years of just war with his fans. And I like Embiid, but I have Jokic in my name, so everybody's, like, cooking <laughs> a lot of the time. And so it's just awful. And, I mean – I have no problem if he wins it. That interview stunk. That was cringe. I don't know why he said that and then didn't play and then played the next two games. Sit out a different game. Because it's just wild to me to rightfully question the shifting narratives of MVP, the criteria, how it changes all the time. And then you have that game. If you, if, if Embiid cooks again another 47 whatever piece even if the Sixers don't win if Embiid embarrasses Jokic how he did earlier in the season to me the award is locked up because I feel like narrative wise I don't I wouldn't say they're trying to give it to him but he was pulling ahead especially with how Denver had that horrible losing streak at the wrong time and I think if he plays that game and he plays really well it does he's he's leading by more than two points I'll say that yeah. So very, very easily, Joel Embiid, in my opinion, has been one of the best basketball players in the game. My personal MVP is Giannis Antetokounmpo. I said that on the last show that we had. I believe that Giannis just a two-way ability that he he displays. The fact that his team is number one in the Eastern Conference, averaging over thirty points, potentially will be a first-team All Defense. I take that into account when I look at my my MVP. Uh, however, Joel Embiid, to all the reasons that you just said, Jack. Uh, I feel might have cost himself. The most important reason why I feel like he might have cost himself is for the fact that, perfectly said, sits out against the Nuggets, a team that he has not played in Denver since 2019, and then proceeds to go on and play the next two. It was very easy and very obvious to understand you should have gone against Jokic, especially if you're going to come out and make the comments that you did about how, hey, there's no pressure on me. I'm not the back-to-back MVP. I've never made a first team in All-NBA. And the fact that you ducked him, I don't care what you say. Hey, the management came out and said that I'm not playing. Obviously, MB You're didn't Joel say that. It's You're Joel Embiid. Exactly. That's really what it comes down to. Joel Embiid says, no, I'm playing against Jokic because obviously this is my biggest rival at my position. I have to suit up. I have to put this performance forward to show why I'm the best center in the game. So I believe that Jokic 
I, I again, my MVP is Giannis Antetokounmpo. But of these two, Jokic has just been the most reliable, the most consistent. Not that Joel hasn't been consistent or reliable, but Jokic leading his team to the number one seed in the Western Conference for a majority of the season, being the best team in the Western Conference, being one of the best teams in the NBA. And All I will the just advanced say stacks this. go to Jokic. Go ahead, bud. They stink these last couple of games that he has no sat out. They have no been doubt. unwatchable. I mean – Is he sitting out tonight, please? I hope not because, uh, I mean, I'm getting – Is it the Warriors? Of, yes. Yeah, it's the Warriors. I'm please. sweating. This is two-game no, lead please, over the Grizzlies. Please. Oh, please. <laughs> oh, bro, I don't no, know. I haven't, I haven't checked. Play. But, yeah, I'll, and, like, with how his – I think it's his calf or whatever. I feel yeah, like he, he like probably – The playoffs he, matter more. Don't he play. probably could have uh, sat out the Sixers <laughs> game. And I think, like, he just thought Embiid was going to play and played. And, I mean, I know the report came out hours before, and he probably changed his mind. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just saying he played through a little something there, it seems like. It, it just feels like when it comes to Embiid, and this is I, – I, with how they were playing with Harden after beat the Bucks, like, I had faith in this team maybe making this, like, miraculous playoff run. The reason why I've kind of sold my stock in them is because the lack of fire I'm kind of seeing from Embiid right now, the lack of competitiveness not going up against Jokic is one thing. But then, just like these repeated comments of you talking about how much it doesn't matter, really matter to win a championship, like Embiid should be at the stage of his career, him and James Harden alike, where it's just all they think about when it comes to their career and where they are now is winning a goddamn championship. And for Embiid to come out every other week which I'm obviously, you know, hyperbole here, but in his latest interview, say that, you know, it's not all that matters. Like, come on, man. Like, why are you downplaying it so much? Like, it, it feels like he's setting up fans, his fans and Sixers fans up for failure. Like, hey, if we don't make a deep playoff run, don't say I didn't warn you. You know, don't say I didn't tell you. And it, that's what it feels like. And that's why, to me, it's kind of been disappointing. And I, I feel like Philly... They just kind of lack that fire right now that it takes to win a championship because when it comes to Jalen Brown, even in Jalen Brown's interview where he's talking about his future with Boston, all he's talking about is all I care about is winning the championship. He's the second best guy on the team. Giannis, when he talks, all he cares about is winning the championship. But when it comes to Embiid, it just feels like, you know, it's if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. And I don't like that type of mindset from a player who is as good as him. The one thing I can say about Giannis, and the one thing I can respect about him is when he talks in his interviews, he says stuff like, I don't focus on the past. I, don't, I hide my trophies because I want to keep winning. I want to keep winning. He talks about LeBron and Steph, how much they win. He won against the lat level. Like He always is talking about the, the winning, the next level stuff. And that's something you got to, especially when you're a franchise guy, when he wants to win that bad, it, it boosts a little confidence in you. And even the Joker, he mostly talks about, I just want to win. You know, he doesn't really care about all the extra stuff. He just wants to win. When your franchise player talks about that, it gives you the little confidence in yourself. Like, my guy wants to win, so he's going to give it his all. For Embiid, you know, I've been watching NBA since, like, 2005. It's, like, over 14, 15 years. I've seen Kobe fans be upset about, you know, him winning one MVP. I've seen LeBron fans be upset that he didn't get his MVPs. But the one thing I can comfortably say is they still – they don't – they have never – thrown a fit the way Joel and B fans have thrown a fit the last three years about this guy not winning an MVP. 
it's like a pity party. It's like, bro, maybe acting like maybe <laughs> acting like he's losing to a bum. He's not losing to a bum. They acting like he's losing MVP to Steve Nash. I understand that. I get that part. Like you know, fifteen and eleven. You know what's up? Average thirty. All right, what's going on? But you're literally losing to probably the best player in the league. Like this is a 25, 11, and eleven guy. This At is not least no regular player. season. Like yeah, like this yeah. ain't no bum. Like this is not no regular regular dude. This is like a top five player in the world. And y'all throwing fits. Y'all trolled the Joker every week. It was one point where Giannis fans joined forces with Embiid fans, I was and they just, just started about to say that. the Joker <laughs> because they didn't want him to win MVP. And it's like. And then Embiid with these comments, bro, you have not made it out the second round. I'm talking about Jimmy Butler's done it. PG's Talk done it. Trey Young's done it. These aren't players on your level. They've done it. You have not. You're the only top 10 player that has yet to see a conference finals. And you are have the nerve to sub the Joker, who at minimum doesn't even have his players, and you can still see on the court. He's giving teams hell. Like, absolute hell. He just doesn't have his players. And even he's went to a WCF. And you yeah. out there subbing him in your interview. You talk about him a lot. It's really weird. But you subbing him in your interviews, and then you saying, oh, that's not really all important. Like, bro, Joel Embiid, I'm not a fan, but you're one of the best players in the league. Like, you have a franchise. You have a city behind your back. You have to. You have James Harden. He's also looking for a championship. This is a guy who's done it all. James looks hungry. James looks locked in. Even Tyrese Maxey looks hungry. DeAnthony Melton is hungry. P.J. Tucker is hungry. Tobias Harris, to a degree, looks hungry. And I don't even like Tobias. He's mid as fuck. But he looks hungry for a chip. He looks locked in, dude. Yeah, so it's like (laughs) you being the guy. Tobias Harris. And you being the superstar. And you you all in the interview like... And mind you, in the interview, he looks sad as fuck. He's, yeah, you know. why? why body language is tough. Yeah, the body. He was so lie. sad looking and depressed. The body language was low. It was like, bro, what the fuck? And I will say. Like, uh, I don't know, bro. And B is just, he's so great, but the mindset doesn't equate with the ability. And it's so aggravating. And you want to see more. Like, you want to see him be hungry for it. But it's like, it's just not given. I think it has to do with the playoffs. Truel wanting to stay healthy because that's been the biggest reason why they have been able to get to the conference finals at large. Now, there's one thing with the MVP specifically. Giannis and Embiid's teams have winning records without them. You're talking yeah, before, Jack, true. about how ass the Nuggets are without Jokic. It's That is a pity party, watching Reggie Jackson and DeAndre Jordan start NBA games. They, they're 3-7 and seven without Jokic this year. Bro, I watched I watched Joker miss a game. I swear to God, MP, MP, MPJ saw that he took fifteen shots in the first quarter. He did not. He didn't give a fuck. Everything was up, 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 up. Like legend, fair, bro. You don't like a player like that, Rip, You tell me you don't love just a straight. Shooter. No, I was fine with it. I was like, fuck it. Like that's the best meme in the league right now is MPJ with Carmelo on one shoulder and Jr. Smith on the other, and they're both like, <laughs> fucking shoot it, shoot it. <laughs> bro, he does not hesitate. He gets that rock, and it's just hesitate. immediate. It's right up. Up. You're it's never seeing up. it back. If he gets that ball, go back on defense. It's going up. <laughs> it's usually time, like, yeah. It's usually good though. He no, usually he's makes his it. shots. He's and I will about Joel Embiid's comments. I really do try to like separate the things players say from what they do on the court because people say it's words. You know, people say shit all the time, and I understand how it like allows you kind of like insight into the way that they're thinking and how they're feeling and stuff like that and how it can impact the way that they're going to play. I want to see Embiid do great this playoffs, but like a physical series against the Boston Celtics would be concerning for that team to me. Uh, Cause I think like 
he can, I don't know. He's going to start whining. Yeah, that's, I mean, I don't want to be the Nuggets fan. It's like, oh, he's crying. Oh, oh no, I'll say like it. I'm a generational hater. I'll say it. Because he's like, yeah. yeah, I'm just saying, when the game slows down in the playoffs, those calls can go away sometimes. They let the game get more physical. And when that happens, if he's healthy, because I don't want to see him get injured again, I'm curious how that's going to go when they hit that point in the playoffs. Yeah, I do want Joel Embiid to go on a playoff run as well because James Harden is my favorite player in the NBA. So I, I'm hoping that he does go on a playoff run. But I don't Teams know, Teams that Joel roots for more than the Knicks. Here we go. James Harden and the Philadelphia 76ers. Anthony Edwards um, and the Timberwolves. Absolutely. Oh, Look Lord. at him. He's like, no, he's just Hey, Jack, it. hey, Jack. He's what? what? Jack, what, Jack, what are what are your thoughts on Anthony Edwards, the Ant Man? I love Anthony Edwards, bro. He's, yeah. he's awesome. That's that's why I hated the Rudy Gobert trade from day one because I was like, yeah. why are we the win now window? It's not with Carl Anthony Towns. That is abundantly clear to me. It's super cool that you guys were good last season, blowing the window of like age twenty five to twenty nine, Anthony Edwards, so you can play with Rudy Gobert is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. Like, I'm I'm high on Anthony Edwards. He is really good. I'm going to be looking forward to the war. Could you imagine Anthony Edwards with the Knicks and the Mecca? Well, I'm saying. Bringing us a championship. <laughs> I'm saying Luke gets in the Knicks. But nah, Timberwolves would hate me if I. Jaden Ant-Man. Timberwolves fans would hate me if I one day just randomly Photoshopped Edwards in a Knicks jersey. <laughs> I know. Timberwolves, I mean, that's a, tough, that's a tough team to be a fan of. They're, they're going yeah. through it. Yeah, they are for yeah, sure. Yeah, the Lakers smoke them like cigars. It's awesome. But this is yeah. still one of the Timberwolves' best seasons the last two decades. I know, so. Well, yeah, their head coach just got like 90 wins and is second in franchise history now. <laughs> He's climbing up the ranks. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. It's like Luke Walton being like up there for Kings wins. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think that we're going to do it for this show. We did have a last topic of Luca, but, you know, Ah, oh, save it for another. I appreciate that because your yeah, boy's in Disney, and I'm trying to I'm trying to hit up Disney Springs. I'm not gonna lie, I was I was thinking about doing one more segment, but my ass on his stool right now is just hurting. <laughs> I'm Two like, ass segments, bro. Come on. I'm like, I'm, bro, I'm he like, loves talking damn. about him and his ass, bro. I'm telling you, he's got something going on. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I'm just like, fuck, bro. I need to get up and like walk, man. Shit, but yeah, man, yo, Jack, it was a blast having you on the show today, man. Yeah, you guys are giving you the round of applause for having me on. Nah, man, yo, usually, like, when we have first time guests, we're kind of like, oh, let's see if this goes well and shit. But, bro, this was seamless, flawless. You you fit right in. You fit right into the conversation. So I know, Drew, you like to you like to uh, segue these things. Oh, absolutely. So, Jack, of course, we do appreciate you coming on to the show. But is there anything that you want to shout out before you go? My TikTok, Jokic Joe Star. That's. Jokic, like the basketball player, and then J-O-E-S-T-A-R, all lowercase, one word. Go check me out. Hit me up. All right, cool. Sounds good. You guys can follow us on Twitter at PickAsidePod, on Instagram and TikTok at Podcast. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. This is Trevor Lane from the LakersNation.com podcast. In case you didn't know, the show you're listening to right now, as well as my show, is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. Over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised over $10 million to expand their team 
podcast network, and business operations. Now, they're raising another round on WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be part of a growing startup. You can invest for as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. BlueWire is raising money to expand their sales team and improve operations, which in turn will help this show continue to grow. If you'd like to be part of the BlueWire investment round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash BlueWire.